Thanks Later, man. Be good. All right. So you got you got the helm, huh? So what happened with the permissions? Well, here, here's what I did. So yesterday I came in uh, to my studio here and, and I was, my wife said, can you clean the floor in that nasty room? And I said, okay. So, you know, I'm cleaning stuff and, and check this out. I officially spend too much time in here because now I got candles in here, my friend. Um, so I'm doing all that. It smells funny in there? Did you have to put candles in there because it smells funny in there? It smells like dude then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's all, all right. men in here, men and dogs. In that's this what it's movie. all about. That's all that's the, the kind of fragrance that you're supposed to have. Is there really is there any more that you need right that's, there? You don't need any more than that. So but, how'd, you um, fix, how'd you fix this thing going? So, I, so I would love it, to see what I would love to see the sound that we have. Well, so so what it was for me was I um so I, I'm cleaning my broadcast computer out. Because I've got different machines in here that I run different shows on, and I clean this one out. I, I did. I subscribed to a, um, you know, whatever that cleans the thing out. And when I logged in this morning, it, I everything was gone, and I had to reach out to our boss, and he got me all hooked back up again. So, uh, oh well, that's what I'm gonna need. I'm yeah. gonna need to hook back up with our boss then, and have him yeah. Yeah. tell me what the hell's going on because I can't see anything. I'm basically I have privileges like a guest. So yeah. You yeah, are, that, that's the way I was. Reins, you have full reins of the show. You are in. Um, you are driving this sucker like the Las Vegas Grand Prix, my guy. So, did you watch um, it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, Team Red Bull. I mean, and how about like I didn't think, I didn't think that Leclerc was going to make the push that he did. I thought it was going to be Red Bull one and two, and then all of a sudden Perez gets passed up there, and Leclerc looks fantastic in the Ferrari. Um, I don't. I don't watch too many indie races, Rodney, so I don't really know yeah. how often the caution flag comes out or how, how often wrecks actually happen on there. But within the eighth eighth or ninth lap, we already had a, a caution on the on the track, man. We had I, I forget the driver's name that actually crashed, but there was one crash already within the first 10 laps of the Vegas Grand Prix. Track conditions were scarce to to say, you know, to be optimal about it. Um hopefully they they learned from their inaugural race there in, in Vegas and they'd be able to, to clean it up because it was star studded, my guy. And like you said, man, I didn't understand why they rolled it out at midnight there, but now, I mean, nothing starts popping until midnight at Vegas anyways. Yeah. You know, it, it was one of those things to where, you know, I talked about it. Uh, you know, I did a, a little pre-race here and, Ideally for me, it would have been, you know, start at dusk, you know, run this thing into the night. NASCAR does a really good job with that, like, like with the Coke 600 different races to where, and, and to me, what that does is it affects tire strategy and all, all the different things there that, that you are or not able to do. And I think that would have been really beneficial, but I, I get the whole starting late thing, although that really was a little bit too late. And I got to tell you, dude, it actually worked out great for me because we, uh, my wife and I went to a great friend's birthday party. We got home at 1130. Boom. I turn it on. And, and there it is. But as you're watching this, I mean, that really was the question. All uh, the 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 prep, and here here's where I knew they were in trouble. Wags on Thursday, I guess it was Thursday um, when you when you had the sewer so cover that came off. Practice when the practice uh, was going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when they had to cut down the practice, I knew they were going to be in trouble because they had everything. I mean, the streets were open, everything was going on, and they closed it down like two and a half hours before practice was going to start, and they just. Again, learning experience. You got to learn. NASCAR did a really good job in Chicago. They went over there. They analyzed that street. They went over there and got on the streets of Chicago when nobody was on them, you, you know, at 5 a.m. and all these different times. Um, 
but well, hey, man, punching is it, it's spectacle. You, know, you got to prove if you want it like Monaco, right? You know that you, you're running on the same streets that are provided by you know all the citizens in Monaco, anyways. You're doing the same type of of race that you're doing in Monaco that you're doing in Vegas. Why yeah. not bring the track setters or the track designers from Monaco over to Vegas and help out that way? You know, I, I wondered about that. I wondered about that, but but. A lot of it is, I mean, and this is something, this is going to sound extremely nerdy, but, but one thing that you have to like when you're working, cause I've been a part of racetracks when they go actually, when they actually go in there and they start repaving stuff. And a lot of it is depending on the area that you're in. I mean, it depends on the, it depends on the asphalt. It depends on the concrete. It depends on the cement. Okay. It depends on the, on, on the uh, base sure. soil. I mean, th there's a lot to it, but I mean, this, Man, I was really concerned what was going to happen on Sunday morning, Saturday night, whenever the hell it was. But, uh, you know, Wags, it's same result. Max Verstappen wins, and and, and that's great. Um, I got to tell you, I'm going to get it in here. I was going to do it earlier. I just couldn't do it because we were all confused here on trying to log into everything. I've got this incredible video that one of my buddies sent me. He was standing right over the bridge when Lando Norris had that massive crash oh. going into the corner. Dude, that's who it was. Norton, Landon Norris is yeah, the guy right, that, that Norris. Dude, it is unbelievable the video of that. So, um, again, you know, good for them. The North American feel is definitely here for Formula One and um, a little oversaturated at this point. I mean, do you hell, plenty do you of races it, now around here. Do you think it picks up? Do you think it actually keeps traction to this and, and picks up and goes on for what, maybe five, 10 years? Do you think well, the biggest Grand Prix is going to be in standing? They're definitely doing it for the next two years because it's a three-year deal Contract, that they have right. in place with Vegas. So we'll have to we'll have to take a look and see if they're able to. Uh, yeah, you know they're going to go back and improve this. But here's here's uh, I mean they need to work on obviously infrastructure. They need sure. to work on that, on that a little bit better. Um, it was ridiculous, dude. I was talking to friends in the industry that were down there. The price to do anything was out of control. Obviously, Wi-Fi was going to be an issue. What was what was just the price of admissions just to get in to see the race, dude? It was like a it was like a two K general admission just for standing just for standing room admission to find a fucking place to stand and and hopefully see part of it. Hopefully, see part of it. Get the and, hell out of here, Rodney! I'm never going to one of those things. I mean, I'll sit here at my I'll sit here on my couch and watch it. You can go to the Coda. I mean, you can go to the Coda, and and it's like I don't know, one fifty nine, one ninety nine, and you're moving all around there, and you know, two thousand dollars to walk around. Are you serious? Yeah, I ain't got that kind. I ain't no, no. Yeah. Well, all right, yeah. what's besides Vegas? What are some of the cities that you would like to see? Um, you know, an, an American F one event go down at. I the first thought that came to my mind when this was going down, it wasn't Vegas. It was Miami. There is one there. Yeah, there oh, is. Oh, all right. Well, see, yeah, there I yeah. there I am. Yeah, so. yeah. That that's that's one of the newer ones. So so that's the whole thing to me. Now you've got you've got Miami, you've got Austin, and you've got Las Vegas. Um, the one the one that's always kind of floated around there, and there was an attempt to do it way back when was New York. And my thought with that is, are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, don't even attempt that there. I mean, I I love this right here because I, I can tell you one of the one of the most successful in Michigan, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the old Detroit Grand Prix and everything that, that used to happen out there. I mean, those were some of the best races. You have access? I don't have access. Oh, okay. That's me doing that. Okay. Yeah, um, that 
those are some of the best places. I mean, in the United States, but think of the places where they've done it. I was talking about this on Saturday. They actually tried this in Dallas. They tried this around Six Flags way back in the 80s. They failed miserably in Las Vegas back in the 80s. Um, They tried it in Phoenix. Obviously, now, Wags, I would like Phoenix now. I think Phoenix would be really good right now. I think that would what, be a really good what spot. makes you what makes you have such an appeal or high appeal for Phoenix? What in that? I, I, maybe it's just because I'm ignorant to what is in Phoenix, but um, is is would is there something in Phoenix that is just more appealing and more attractive than say? Uh, well, one, I think New York would be absolutely insane. You couldn't do oh. anything in New York. Um, just just the confines of it and the restrictions of it. Um, Chicago would be pretty damn cool. Uh, like what? How it was great did. in NASCAR? It was great in NASCAR. I got to tell or, you. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, uh, how NASCAR did? Um, what's it? I would love to see. I'm I'm trying to think of some really dude, cool. dude, New Orleans. Dude, I would love to see New Orleans in it let, as well. Let me tell you a spot. Let me tell you a spot. So IndyCar races along the streets of Nashville. And they go up over the bridge, and, and they go around uh, what's it called where the Titans play. Uh, they, they, they drive around there. Now, that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I love the what course. About the, what about the Pacific Northwest? What it, Like, I was thinking, like, Santa, like Northern California, like Santa Cruz and Cosmo, or not Cosmel, uh, Carmel or whatever, as you're going up Big Sur and stuff like that. To me, that sounds amazing, man. The Pacific Coast be. Highway gives you kind of that Monaco vibe, that Monaco yeah. feel. Yeah. What I, what I like about Phoenix is, so I, I went there for a, for a business convention uh, a few years back and actually got to drive around there. I had an Uber driver. just took me on a tour. He's like, dude, I'm going to take you around. We went by the stadium. Um, it, it's, it's, it's weird. The course that I could envision for Phoenix as flat as everything is out there in Arizona, there, there's some good elevation. There's some good stuff that, that, uh, you know, buildings and all the, the Nashville one, honestly, to me, I like better than Phoenix. But Formula One and Nashville, Tennessee, they just don't correlate, in my opinion. I just don't. Um, but but maybe it would. People love coming to Austin, you know. So so maybe. Yeah, it would work. But for how long though? How long are they staying in Austin? And maybe see. I, I look at Austin as, as like I'm looking at Vegas now. Maybe three days, four days. That's all you need. Get the hell out of here. Well, and, and that's and I, and I think that's where NASCAR's done a really good job, and it kind of sucks from the COVID. And we can get to football here in, in just a minute, but I think that's where NASCAR's done a really good job because, like this whole this whole event strung out, and it was you know traffic problems, infrastructure problems. There were so many different things that folks were dealing with. NASCAR, when COVID came in, they eliminated a lot of practice. Um, qualifying is nice and compact. They don't sit there and dick around all, you know, with a three-hour practice session and, and doing qualifying and all that. It's pretty crisp. It's pretty crisp. But I think the Formula One audience is different in the sense, you know, from Drive to Survive and, and, and just everything that happens right there. They don't want crisp. They And that's the thing that I keep going back to, Wags. It's like Max Verstappen winning every damn race. But man, they, they jammed 350,000, 315,000 people in there through a three-day event. In well, Vegas. I mean, at, at one point, like how much is people, you know, it's just the who's who of all of all the star-studded crowd just coming in to, to show, like, to show up and just make an appearance, right? Like, if you know that Verstappen's going to win in every match or every race that's going down, I mean, there's kind of really no... 
there's really no suspense in it, right? If, if Team mm -hmm. Red Bull is the, the best damn crew or the best damn team right now, especially if you got the one and two drivers, the top one and two drivers. I mean, if you look at the field, if you look at the points right now, I mean, it's it's Verstappen and then the rest. It's done. It's, yeah. it's by, two, by 200, what, uh, maybe it's 150, I think. The, the margin's 150. But Verstappen's crushing the entire field, man. No one's, yeah. no one's near him. Yeah, cha championship is one. I mean, it seriously is that Formula One is the one, you know, international or, or national sport that you can go into. And you really sit here and watch that you can just watch one guy throttle everybody and people keep showing up. Um, th there's just and that's where y you go back to NASCAR and it's like NASCAR any given weekend, you know, you're going to have 10 or 12, maybe 15 guys that could win a race, depending on the race course. Hell, it may be 20 guys, but this you know you know people just love this and and i got to tell you right here this is a great comment right here from michael c uh nascar at watkins Glen. that right there is is a must-see venue but i gotta tell you where nascar really screwed the pooch is when they moved away from road america because road america is like uh racing through a national park and i think if you wanted to find formula one racing in a purpose-built race course you take them to road america and man that, that is the best setting for what they're attempting to do with the pageantry and, uh, and all the cool stuff that's going on uh, with Formula One. Uh, well, it was definitely a star-studded event in Vegas, man. I'm glad that it – glad nobody got – Glad I, they got the race any, in. Yeah, uh, they got the race in, and nobody got too injured, right? I mean, there was a little bit of a, a mishap and what that was yep. in the first 10 – the first 10 laps or whatnot. But still, man, everybody, the, everybody came out alive, and everybody's ready to race again. So um, it was fun for me. I, I mean, I kind of knew – who the hell was going to win? I think if anybody, if you look at the standings, you know who's you know who's going to win. I just didn't didn't think that it would be that dominant from one team. I thought maybe we'd get Ferrari, oh. Mercedes, and oh. then Red Bull, but no, it was oh. Red Bull, Ferrari, oh. and Red Bull, man. So it was you know you know when Charles Leclerc when Charles Leclerc won the pole on I guess that was Friday. He wins that pole. I had a lot of people reaching out, and it's like, oh man, Ferrari, they they got their shit together. Dude, they are really good on qualifying day. I mean, you go back and look, and, and Charles Leclerc has won several pole positions, but they just can't seal the deal. I mean, and, and there was a lot of there was a lot of pomp going in about, you know, the American qualified seventh, I think it was, with Sargent, uh, you know, there with Williams, but it was it was the same thing. But it looked really nice. I'll be curious to see. Um, like I said, I mean, a lot of people uh, were there for that, I, and, and and that was the other San part Diego that. too. Rodney Daryl brings yeah. up a good point. San Diego would be fantastic. That'd be S San Diego is, is one that I thought about as well. I was actually going to mention Hawaii, that. Honolulu, Waikiki. Oh. That might be a little bit too condensed though in Waikiki. Honolulu, you could do Waikiki. Probably be a little bit too crazy. It's a little bit further south on the tip on Oahu yeah. there, but yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It um, here's the bottom line. And and we can we can kind of table it after this when it comes to Formula One. What watching everything that happened in Vegas just with with the problems with the course for Carlos Sainz, I mean that when he hits when he hits the drain hole cover and they penalize the dude ten grid spots after he qualifies second in the Ferrari because he had to go fix his shit for something that was totally out of his control. Right, it was Come cracking on, his, Yeah, that's cool. You got to do better than that. Um, it made me appreciate Circuit of the Americas and what we have in Austin that much better because it's very streamlined. Of course, we're all these years in. We started in 2012, but damn it, running running on a purpose-built course like that, I mean, it, it, it's just better. Um, honestly, for me, Indy cars are better on street courses. You know why? Indy cars can take a hell of a lot better pounding than, than what a Formula One car can do. How, and, I didn't see I didn't see stats or anything on the, on the TV 
during Saturday night. How fast do those cars actually get up to? What's max that they can get? Man, I don't exactly know because a lot of that shit's in kilometers, dude. It, it don't look like they're going that fast, though. I mean, well, if, it's a three, if it's a three course, maybe on the straightaways, you're getting busy of it. But when you got to do your S turns and, and everything, you're looking yeah. for max agility, not max speed. There's there's one sector, as they call it. We call it sections. They call it sector. Um, there, there's one sector there, there where they're running straight down. I, I don't know what street that is. But, man, they, they are hauling ass. And hearing those dudes hit the gears, man, it's like, mm, 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 mm. I, had, I had a bunch of video that I wanted to run on Saturday. But it was like, eh, how much of this shit is copyrighted? Because that, that will give you the, the, the true uh, feel for it. But, look, they got it in. They got it done. Now they know what to do when they go back. We're going to do this at least for two more years. So we'll take a look and, and see what happens. And you know what, Wags? People showed up. People went ape shit over it. Um, and I guess if you're Formula I guess Shaq 1, was the biggest star out there, right? Like Shaq's pretty much the, the biggest the biggest personality wherever the hell he goes, right? He's more than just a, a you know an NBA a- analyst and a uh, dude. Did you see NBA Hall of Famer? Man, he's he's a DJ. I mean, he's he yeah. is a walking money making machine, dude. Shaq is amazing. Did you see those photos of him where he's like he's like walking down the grid up to the drivers and he's this big old monster and you got these little video guys looks like Kyler Murray you know sitting there trying to <laughs> trying to stand next to these guys it's like oh my goodness but uh, hey man it uh, the stars were out and uh, I mean that's that's really what it's all about I mean Formula One um, this is this is what it looked like as as Shaq was walking by the Formula One drivers. Oh, get out of here, Kyler Murray. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, all, I thought it was a success for uh, for F1. I mean, everybody knows that, you know, we talked about it, that the championship's already locked up. It's for Stappen's, uh, it's for Stappen's league, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, man, if you haven't watched any of F1 or don't know anything about F1, all you need to know is that it's Team Red Bull show with uh, Max Verstappen. That's yep. about it. Uh, yep. Ferrari got close on Saturday night, but to no avail. All right, what happened on Saturday, though? Longhorns went up to Ames. It got a little dark, but we prevailed with the light. 26-16, to 16, victory went down. Oh, and by the way, you know, it is chaos theory. We haven't introduced ourselves. I am Adam Wagner. Oh, I'm that sorry is about Rodney, that, Wag. Rodney Rodriguez, <laughs> Rodney Rodriguez, double R. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at the Rodney R. You can find me on Twitter at NotTheFakeWags. Rodney's on the gram at the underscore Rodney R, and I am on the gram at the Wagner Wire. Uh, yeah, um, Texas. Went up in the Ames, came out victorious, twenty six to sixteen. What are some of the things, first off, that you took from that game, Rodney? You know what I really liked about this game, Wags, was, um, man, I love that fourth quarter, um, just dominance right there. I mean, you look at time of possession right there, and that's you know the the one thing that you can kind of go back to, especially since since, since Texas has been in in so many of these games to where it gets so um, you know the nail biting and everything that happens at the end of this. I really like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't forty eight to nothing or anything like that, but man, I just really thought that it was a very assertive, a very assertive effort by Texas to just go out and um and put and put your foot in the throat at the end of it. I mean, it was like I think time of possession in the fourth quarter was like nine minutes plus that Texas had over Iowa State in that, and that tells you right there that's what we've been looking for to where I. I what I was liking, because I kept looking back and forth because I was in and out of stuff as the game was going on, and I saw how close things were. But you know what? I was actually a lot more comfortable. I felt better with a tighter game going into the half than being ahead by a little 27 bit. or whatever the case has been. I, I just felt, okay, 
I like this a little bit better because this is where you can go in, assert your game plan, lean on that defense. C.J. Baxter, dude, why was anybody even questioning what was going on or what that dude was going to bring? It, uh, look, he goes over the century mark against one of the top defenses in the nation. And not just to mention that, like, um, we talked about it in the beginning of the week last week or in the middle of the week last week, what we kind of wanted to see Quinn Ewers do and implement these running backs coming out of the backfield. Four receptions for C.J. Baxter, three receptions for Jaden Blue. Um, uh, they did everything that I asked, or excuse me, five receptions for C.J. Baxter and four for, for Blue. So they did everything that I asked to do as far as spreading spreading the ball around and, yeah. and being more efficient that way. Um, I thought it opened up a lot more uh, possibilities down the middle as well. And, oh, by the way, we got to see a, uh, you know, a po almost like a, a, a skinny post almost um, with Jordan Winnington. Jordan Winnington able to find pay dirt for the first time during the season. Um, fantastic reward that man because he does all the little things right and he does yes. the stats that doesn't he do he does the stats that don't get on the stat sheet or that yeah. don't show up on yeah. the stat sheet uh makes all types of blocks um comes from behind and and uh tackles a a, a guy that's intercepted Quinn Ewers uh, that was last week I mean he just doesn't give up on plays he's one of my favorite players on a team and there's a reason why for it you know he shows up week in week out on tape on tape uh, every Saturday man so um, he's just, he is the epitome of Texas football for me. He really is, man. He, he really is. I mean, that is the mindset and what this team really is. I mean, this is a, this is a character team and they're finding ways to win. Talking about that second half offense. Uh, let's take a listen to Steve Sarkeesian talking about the uh, second half offense from his club. Well, we just wanted to remain aggressive. Um, and we felt like we were starting to run the ball enough there to where we felt like the play pass could, could come to life a little bit. Uh, and then getting Gunnar Helm out the back door for the touchdown pass. Uh, the guys just executed it be beautifully. Protection was awesome. The two receivers in the boundary did a nice job of clearing that out, and then and then uh, Gunnar was able to come out the back door right there. But I thought probably even bigger than that, bigger than that drive, was after they hit the long touchdown on fourth down to get the ball and then to possess the ball and to drive it down the field and to get that field goal um, – I thought was a really big drive in the game and, and Bert Auburn, you know, does it, does it again, three for three, you know, with, with field goals and some big kicks, that kick at the end of the first half was, a, was a heck of a kick um, to just give us a little bit of life coming into the locker room to have the lead six to three. So uh, like I said, all phases, in my opinion, today showed up, you know, your kicker goes three for three, you block an extra point, get two points there. Um, and then even when we got pinned back, I thought every time we got pinned back, we found our way out of our own end and, and weren't giving them just really good field position when we were getting pinned inside the 10. Yeah, I, I thought um, – go ahead. You go first, no, Ryan. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. So what I thought uh, – Sarkeesian hit it right on the head there, man. Um, look, coming out there and firing all cylinders in the second half and then being able to take uh, being able to take opportunities and finishing them uh, and finishing them right and when you couldn't finish Auburn does it again man three for three yeah. like he talked about dude it, it's especially you saw a lot of the special teams yesterday you saw the defense as a matter of fact come alive and Rodney here's the thing too right we had another special teams touchdown that got called back and yeah. I went I went back again to look um, to look at this and I still don't I still don't see any holding. Um, on the play, I, um, or excuse me, a block in a block. They said it was a block, a block in the back. So I didn't see any block in the back. Um, and 
hell, if the opposition wants to do that, you can go up to somebody that you're blocking and then have him just turn around and then, oh, my God, somebody got me in the back. That doesn't have that's not how the rule states. If you establish contact while you're if you establish legal contact with the dude, um, the defender can't turn around and be uh you know submissive or just throw his hands up and then surrender to it. That doesn't count for a block in the black or a block in the back. You have to establish contact, maintain that contact, or hit him crisp in the back, solid in the back without even establish contact to the front. That didn't that was not the case that I saw on the film, Rodney. So whatever. I also saw uh uh, Murphy, Murphy make one hell of a play on defense, right? To to force a a, a fourth down punt, um, getting a nice little sack there on third down. But before he actually got sacked, he was tackled. He was tackled oh, yeah. by two guys at the line of scrimmage, but was able to get up and still make the sack. Uh, still make yeah. make the sack. Rodney, I don't want to be this guy, especially you know someone as a, a you know a, a Longhorn pundit, right? Um, but man, like you, you know we know what we see week in and week out. I don't want to be the one that's sitting here crying and saying that the Big 12 refs just seem like they have it in for the Texas Longhorns, but my God, it looks so, it's so unbiased, or it's, excuse me, it's so biased at this point to where, I, 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 hell, I wanted to send game film to, you know, to the Big 12 conference because, it, you know, there's, there's, there's holding right in front of them and they're not even calling it. And it's clearly, yeah. or it's clearly one sided rather because I, I saw Iowa State getting away with tons, tons more holds than, well, excuse me, than Texas did. I mean, they they kind of let the guys play just a little bit, but still, I mean, my God, Rodney, you could steer you could see that the clear advantage was going on with Ohio State, with Iowa State rather, and uh and the Big Twelve officials. It it really does get to the point. Uh, I mean, because and I hate uh, I hate sounding like because I do sound like a crybaby. No, man. We, no, we won no, the game, I, we won it twenty six to sixteen, but it even shouldn't it should not have been that close. Like I thought the dominant factor was that the Longhorns were just beating the shit out of the the Iowa State um Cyclones all up and down the field, and sure Beck was able to you know to have a, a decent game, but my God, yeah. Rodney, the zebras on the field are making it easier for the opposition. Man, that's that's a whole thing, and I see I see a lot of folks around the country, and I talk to f- friends around the country that they go back to their like, oh, you people are just leaning on this whole thing about the referees, and 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 I will be very transparent right here. You can watch a lot of football games, whether it's college, even in the NFL. You can sit there, and we talked about this last week, where you can watch things are going to get missed. But my God, man, some of some of this stuff is painfully obvious. How is sweat not? And uh, to Longhorn Bear's point, um, it's pretty obvious that you know Sweat and Bear are being held, or Sweat and Bear, uh, Sweat and Murphy are being held. But hey, how in the hell are they not getting these calls? Like yeah. these are the biggest dudes in the these, and I don't, I, I get it. They're in, they're on the interior, so it's probably hard for them to be seen. Bullshit. Are you serious? Come on, man. How in the hell do you not expect me to, to sit there and, and think that Sweat and, and Murphy haven't been held all season long? Are you serious? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're two. And- they're two dominant factors. They're two dominant players that require double teams. How in the hell are you telling me that yeah. they're not being held? They get the double team every time at the point of attack, and they beat it. And when they don't beat it, they're being dragged to the ground. But you're telling me they're not being held? Sure. And 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 the other part of it is, I mean, and, and you you guys feel free to correct me because I've, I've kind of gone back and, and watched this a few different times trying to count shit. But I think at the end of the first half, I don't think Iowa State had a penalty called against them. And, and this is very much a um, repetitive thing. And, and, I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it, but come on, man. Um, you know, when it comes down to when it comes down to the stuff that is so obvious, but then, but then it's one thing, you know, like when you talk about, uh, you know, in a playoff game, seven for 54 and then four for 35. So it did. 
it felt like somewhat of a clean game because you're not seeing you know over 10 calls for the Longhorns there but I mean damn you know four to three but the tail of the tape is 35 is the yardage 54 to 35 right there yeah. seven to four um with a differential of three but the the main thing that I see is yardage right here not too bad but still in key moments there we got God man yeah, well, and here's the other part of it. You, you know, it's and I totally get it when you talk about a big game. When you, when you talk about a very uh, a game with a <laughs> yes. lot of these, let them let them play. You know, gonna let them play like in basketball. Okay, the referees are gonna play. The, they're gonna officiate this thing loose. They're gonna do whatever. But God, man, come on, dude. Some of this stuff and the ticky tack stuff on the other side is the one thing. If you didn't have holding calls, if none of that was going to happen, I would totally be like, okay, they're letting them play. But geez, Louise, man, some of the other stuff, like yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, we, we talked about what uh what the Cyclones were gonna have to try and do to come out here and 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 get a victory in Ames here. That I thought for sure they'd they'd have success through the air, but they would want to try and establish a run. They wouldn't able to get anything going. Um, Sama couldn't get anything going. Sanders couldn't get anything going as well. Beck did had some have some success going through the air there, Rodney. He yeah. looked like he was able to spin it. Uh, Creek. Yeah. Connecting with Jaden Higgins um, seven times for 104 yards there. Uh, no touchdowns. Kept him out of the end zone, though. Um, Longhorns, I felt, played a good game. on not a, not a great game defensively, but played a good game defensively, considering, you know, what was going down. Uh, we just talked about, you know, all the inefficiencies. The outside factors, of, yeah. yeah. Officials. But, yeah. I mean, considering, you know, they went up there in Ames and came out with a good victory. I'm 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 all right going in the next week against Texas Tech. I'm Friday. Fr I feel pretty confident about about Friday, man. Yeah, you know, it, and that's one of those things. I mean, you just got to go in and and you take care of business. You, you just go in. You know, I, I know that th there's going to be a lot of talk with just everything that that that's gone on and and so forth. But I mean, just go in, take care of business. I mean, you everything you control your own destiny, which a lot of times that that's a good thing. Uh, other times that's kind of a scary thing. But I mean, we can go over these Big Twelve scenarios coming up here. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll hit that. We got plenty of time to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. interested in hearing what you thought the Longhorns did so well on Saturday and why they you know emerged victorious twenty six to sixteen. I mean, it just really seemed that they controlled the football game, and that's that's where it's been in the past. To where, or not in the past, in the in the games that have gotten a hell of a lot tighter than they should be. Wags to where it's like Texas dictates the first part of the ball game, and then they kind of start stepping back a little bit. And 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 I seriously was so impressed. Like we heard uh, Coach Sark talking about right there about that second half offense. They just went out and they did. They went old school, dude. It was like just go. Control defense. Speaking of defense, so we, we were talking about a uh, defensive line play, and we're talking about holding calls and all that. Let's listen to Sark talking about that defensive line play. Well, I don't know why you'd ever call them out. That, that'd be the last thing I would do if I was getting ready to play us. But that that was that was their their choice to uh, to call them out and to call out our culture. Quite frankly, that's how we took it. And so I thought our players did a nice job of staying focused on what we needed to do, and particularly those two guys. You know, they, they went into the game and focused on what they needed to do, uh, and that was dominate the line of scrimmage, the interior of the line of scrimmage, and that allowed everybody else to play. And I, it allowed our backers to play over the top of things. Um, you know, again, when you look at our three leading tacklers in the game, Anthony Hill, David Benda, Jalen Ford, you know, 18 tackles with those three guys means they're not getting blocked and they're able to go make plays. So as much as they impacted the D-line at the line of scrimmage to make plays, they also freed up guys to make plays. And so 
Um, those guys continue to show up. They they just are, and not only great players, they're great leaders. These these guys are you know, Tamandre Sweat, Byron Murphy. Um, you go in that locker room, that that's their locker room, you know, and and uh, they they follow the messaging that that we try to provide. And so as much as they are the players, who they are as leaders. Mm-hmm. He made some really good points there, especially about Murphy and Sweat um, being able to just absorb blocks and allow, you know, Hill and Benda and the rest of that linebacking court forward to, to scrape and uh, move tackle to tackle without any, um, without any impediment, right. Or without being um, without any, uh, any offensive lineman holding them up or whatever. I mean, that's the key to success. If you're uh, one hell of a, a linebacker, man, is you got your studs up front, basically blocking for you to allow you to be out there and, and scrape on every, uh, play to make a clean tackle, man. I think it, it, to to what Sarkeesian said, it looked fantastic. It was great. Uh, Murphy, as a matter of fact, also with one and a half sacks there. Burke getting the other half of the sack as well. Um, and this is like we were talking about with them, you know, going up, having what ta- being tackled at the point of uh, at the point of impact, and still being able to get up and make the damn play. So, um, I, I think you know the, the defensive front that we had. Uh, that was what I wanted to go into. That is what I wanted to see on Saturday. I wanted to see a dominant, um, a dominant game from just our, our defensive front four and help man establish the, you know, establish the trenches, win the battle in, inside the trenches. Like we talk about at all times, but also Rodney, um, you got to go out there and we, we wanted to see a different type of ground attack with, uh, Baxter and blue. We didn't know if we would get, you know, the one, two punch, but Baxter comes out there gets 20 totes for 100 yards. Yeah. I'd like to see him get a little bit more totes or maybe even a little bit of the payload split up just a little bit, but it looks like Sarkeesian is going to Baxter or looking at Baxter as the number one bell cow running back instead of just, uh, you know, a, a running back by committee, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I I was like, okay, 25 would be good. I mean, I knew I was stretching, you know, you know with that thought right there. But um, th- the other part of that is um, – Here's what I really liked in the second half. So you and I were talking last week, uh, and I know a lot of the other shows did too. You know, uh, the concern of the of the three three and then five high uh, on the defense uh, that Iowa State was going to be uh, generating right here. It really seemed like to me in the second half with with running the football and, and just um, kind of taking it dirty, kind of kind of going in and uh, establishing the line of scrimmage and taking time of possession and trying to win that battle. It really seemed like the coaching staff uh, really went in and took what Iowa state does well, the three, three, five and used it against them. It it seems like they're like, okay, this is what you do. Well, here we come. And that's really what they did. They went at the strength, at the strength of that Iowa state defense. To me, that was pretty damn impressive right there. That was pretty ballsy where you could have tried to skirt that and go a different direction. And you weren't doing all the razzle dazzle and all the fancy other happy horse shit that we talk about. I mean, it's like go strength for strength. Uh, I mean, use that offensive line and just go at them at what they do best. And Texas won that battle. Texas won that battle. And the time of possession really is the biggest thing that I took out of this to where it's like, man, if you win time of possession and are able to convert, convert, because that's the other part, able to convert and Burt Auburn, man, give that dude. Uh, nine rushing yards is what I take out of it. Nine two. rushing yards a lot is what I take yeah, out of it, Rodney. Exactly. I mean, dominant factor exactly. on defense there. Um, and I thought, the, I thought that Campbell and company would would try and run the ball a little bit to keep our – to keep our offense off the field, right? To kind of wear down that dominant defense that we have, but man, they didn't have, they just couldn't get any success going on through, uh, through the ground and pound, man. Yeah. 
Um, you, you knew that it's no surprise. Like our secondary is the, I don't want to say the weakest link, um, because they're not weak. Um, but it's the weaker link, um, on the defense. Right. And if all, if all phases, right. If the secondary, if the linebacking core and the defensive line can just put it all together for one damn game, Rodney, oh my God, this is going to be an explosion. Cause that's what the. That's what the other three top teams are doing, man. And that's what, hell, that's what Oregon's doing, too. If you look at it, man, all three levels of their defense are firing on all cylinders to shut down opponents, man. If you don't get that type of game from your from your team, from your defense, man, it's going to be hard to go up against these star studs like, a, like a, you know, a Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, and Georgia. And, by the way, Georgia's firing on all cylinders right now, man. It's It's scary. It's scary when Georgia's offense looks better than their defense. Oh, man. That um, s- sitting there watching. I'm still we big were... on Michigan. I still think Michigan's the best team in the league. But it's scary when when Georgia's offense is starting to, to fire on all cylinders. It, it really is. I mean, watching them, you know, you talk about peaking at the right time, man. It really seems like. And and we were we discussed that last week as well. To it, it really does seem like they have gone. They turned it on. And, and, and I mean, here they come at, at the time that, that's most important. But, you know, I, I think that. One of the things I took out of this game, Wags, was uh, I think since since the Alabama game, obviously the Alabama game was just a huge uh, everything on, on the national front and, and just everything that that meant. To me, that's still the biggest win in college football, and I'm taking the Texas part out of it. That's the biggest win in college football, especially with the way that Alabama's playing right now. But we've been waiting for a game for Texas to look more like they did in, in the sense of controlling the football game and, and really being in control the whole time. I know we had a field goal fest at the at the beginning of the game, but your defense is locking Iowa State down and, and not allowing them to do anything. We've been waiting for something that felt like the Alabama game again, and this is where I'm going back to the fourth quarter because, man, you go to the fourth quarter and, and you just – it's like, okay, it's over. Fourth quarter starts and Texas is like, it's over. We are taking control of this game. Your ass is getting beat. And it showed, and it showed. Kind of felt a little – more like that Alabama game in that sense to me a little bit a little bit there um how much how much stock do you put into the Longhorns being able to win ugly in multiple ways dude I I think that's massive I think that's massive because like like we've talked about so many different times that didn't happen very often anymore Sark talked about Here's a great cut right here. He talked about the difference now back to 2021. I, I love it for these guys. You know, you know when you, um, when you go through what we went through in year one and the, some somber locker rooms and some tough moments and, and some hard coaching and for those three-year guys to, to, to continue to buy into what we were talking about but then, like I talked about even before the season, we were trying to build a culture that we thought could be part of the winning formula here, you know. And, and when I got here, you don't know why you get hired. But everybody gets hired for a reason. But then you got to try to figure out how can you take it somewhere else. And we just felt like the culture piece was going to be so critical as we were going through year one that going into year two, we invested in the culture. Going into this year, we continue to invest in the culture. But the, to the credit to those guys in the locker room, they took all of that, and then they took it to another level. 
where, where I thought, man, if we could just get this thing right, the talent that we have, this is, this is, we're going to be pretty tough. But now they've gone to a whole nother space. They're so close. They're so tight yeah. that I, I really, you say this, I think a lot of people say it, but our guys play with love for one another. They're not just, you know, competing together. Like they're brothers. And, um, you know, I, I still save the quote, you know, that five-star culture versus five-star players. Well, now we have both. Then that's a pretty cool thing to be able to say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there, Coach. Um, One thing that Daryl G says here on the text line, Texas should be happy that Matt Campbell is just as hard-headed as Sarkeesian. They had that slant hitting, uh, but then went away. Can you pull it up, Ronnie? Yep. Yep. All right, thank you. Uh, so yeah, and when we when we highlight, we'll try and read your all's questions as two uh, comments as well for you. Um, they had the they had the slant hitting, but they kept trying to run the damn ball. No, I get you. I think they were trying to establish balance there because we were starting to lock in a little bit on those slants. Now, look, I agree with you right there. I don't know why the hell they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't uh, go back to the damn slants. It was, you know, clear that we were struggling to cover in man. And by the way, if you're given seven yard a five yard to seven yard cushion, that's an extension of your run, right? That's what Sarkeesian likes to do with Worthy out there with their swing passes and try and get in your one on ones. Hell, I don't know why we don't take advantage of the seven yard uh, slant or the you know the the five to seven yard slant. It's an easy, it's an easy get up, man. And you also, by the way, did you see people attack in the middle of the field? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. easy to it, you know that's your natural point of of attack, right? It's just like in chess. Who who here plays chess? Anybody? I'm not trying to sound like a nerd, but does anybody play chess? What are you trying to do in chess, right? What's your what's your number one uh, strategy right off the bit? It's yeah. the it's the gather it's to gather the middle of the board, right? If you can control the middle of the board, you have the most advan- advantageous uh, position for the board, right? The the best place to attack the football field is the middle of the field because as soon as that ball is snapped, the secondary goes backwards and the and the the linebackers move forwards. So there's a natural opening in the middle of that field, Rodney. I don't yeah. know why you can't take a three to five, uh, three to five step drop and hit a slant or hit an in, and then, you know, make, make sure you get some gag after that. My God, it seems like simple football logic. And I don't know why I'm sitting here repeating myself week in and week out. We just need to exploit it a little bit more. We saw a little bit of that with Jay, uh, Jay Witt. And it looked like it happened. Uh, it looked like it, uh, happened, you know, to, um, uh, to the coaches, uh, a benefit right or to the to the longhorns benefit right they got into the to the end zone and got six i don't know why we can't do that week in and week out man and that's a great point that's a great point wags Ta- talking about the the jay witt touchdown and, and sark addressed that as well i mean it, it, let's get the comments on that well jordan's been playing really good football for us and he um you know he's had he's been open you know but sometimes you're not the primary or the quarterback gets flushed and he's, he's been doing a great job of winning versus man coverage um he does so many little things for us um, you know, I mean, you can point to last week of him, you know, causing that fumble and, and regaining control of the game the way that he did. Just so many things for us. And we just kind of felt like at some point his time's going to come. Uh, naturally, that, that third and short touchdown pass was really designed for him. He does so much blocking, did a nice job coming in like he was getting ready to block and then, and then took off and Quinn with a nice ball there. And the two-point conversion was obviously designed was designed for him that way. So, Again, we have a multitude of guys that can make plays for us at critical moments, and, and he's just one of those guys that uh, I can count on him. You know, and that's one thing about 13. You can count on him to do what mm-hmm. we need to do. We're running the ball there at the end of the game, and he's at the point of attack, again, blocking and, and you know, creating running lanes for our runners to, to get first downs. 
Yeah. And that's a great point right there from, uh, I mean, and that's kind of, because a lot of folks have talked about, I mean, we hear it all the time where we're talking about, you know, Jordan Whittington, maybe not being, uh, you know, not getting enough balls. I mean, whatever the case is, I mean, there are just, it's, there are so many guys that are available right here for, for the ball to be spread around right here. And that's the beauty of kind of the, what, 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 what Sark was talking about a little bit earlier there was where, where this team, they play together. There's so much love in this locker room to where it's like, you know, if Jordan Whittington's not going to be getting balls, I, I mean, it is what it is right there. I mean, Jatavian Sanders, I mean, I am on and on about Jatavian Sanders. Give that dude more balls. He had two receptions on Saturday night. And, and you know, it's it's that you have one football. You have one football, and and you have to spread that thing around, and you use it at whatever's going to be the best um, in, in those cases. Um, it, um, I mean, it was absolutely uh, a beautiful. I mean, the the uh, two point conversion was great. I mean, the two point uh, conversion was absolutely great. So that right there was was really cool stuff. Um, I do want to I do want to talk about one thing. Um, kind of before we c- continue diving forward, I've seen a couple of uh, folks checking in on the uh, Coda text line two 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 nine three two eight. That is the Coda text line. Um, I see uh, the update works great. So if you missed it earlier, it was uh, talking about how uh, Brad was talking about. We've got a we, we've got an upgrade uh, on the iOS side, uh, and, and it looks amazing. I mean, it looks really good. I mean, it looks really really good. But still prototyping that to make sure that it sounds good, and I can kind of tell right here because I'm seeing that the upgrade works great. I see that there, and I see something else saying uh, from a five one two nine one seven number that uh, it is not working great. If you are on an Android, that uh, that right there is the issue. Haven't quite gotten the uh, update on the Android side yet. That is something that's going to be coming, um, hopefully moving forward, um, you, you know, towards towards the end of the week, towards the end of the week as we get all that going. Uh, but uh, you should be really good if you're on an iPhone. Uh, that is on the uh, code text line, 222-9328. Uh, let's get the end of uh, Sark's opening statement. Didn't play that part, but let's, uh, let's take a listen to what he talked about at the end of that opening statement after the game on Saturday. You get two touchdowns called back and you fumble on the nine-yard line going in. Uh, and, and you still you know, win a football game by 10 points um, and possess it at the end, and we, we were able to run it when they knew we were going to run it. Um, really proud of our guys, and I'm proud of those same three-year guys that I keep bringing up, that I keep talking about, um, because we were here, we were here you know, three years ago, and this was a tough scene. And um, I think that was a moment when the program started to change after that. But that was a long week for us that, that, that year. And that was a tough night to endure. Uh, so to come back um, kind of on our farewell, farewell tour uh, and, uh, and to get some redemption here uh, is, uh, is a big one. So, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm happy for the guys. I'm happy for our coaches and, and everybody involved. But we're not done yet. You know, we got another big game this Friday, and we need to get back and we need to get as healthy as we can to uh, put our best foot forward to try to uh, secure our opportunity to play in the Big 12 Championship. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, 100% right there uh, what he's talking about. I, I mean, and that that really is a cool part if you're a Texas if you're a Texas football fan as you were going out the door right here as you're moving on, you know, to the SEC, you really are 
I mean, just not like Sark was talking about right there. I think it's so great how the program has evolved, you know, from 2021, but just in the sense right there that you were kind of going in and you're, you're silencing some of the demons and, and you're, you're, you're squashing some of the shit that in the past, um, you know, losing in Ames, I mean, losing to Iowa state for crying out loud, you, you know, it's something, I mean, the, the, the loss to Kansas, I mean, you've gone in and on your way out, you emphatically avenged that one. Um, you still have the OU thing. That That's why I totally um, want to play Oklahoma State on the way out of here because that's going to be uh, ju- just another one right there where it's like, okay, you give them the finger too. But uh, th- that's really – if you really want to talk about – and welcome back, Wags. If, uh, yeah, you, I, I think we're fixed now. I think yeah, we're yeah, fixed. I, think, I think we're good. I think. I, I, think I thought I killed out. the entire show. I thought I ended the entire – I felt really fucking bad oh, for a minute. Yeah. I thought I killed the stream. <sighs> No, we're still going. Oh. The good thing is, the good thing is Texas won. If uh, if Texas would have lost on Saturday, we'd be over here like, we have the shit turned off. But um, just kind of talking about that, Wags, with Texas on the way out, and that's what Wags, or what Wags, why do I get you and Coach Sarkeesian confused? I think because you're looking going, dudes. Yeah. Oh, 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 man, you're already getting called out right here, dude. Um, <laughs> on the way out of here, on the no, way man, out. My dump take like 30 minutes. Y'all know this, man. I got to do the pregame dump, then I got to do the postgame dump. And hey, I think that's kind of why my metabolism stays pretty damn high. That's right. High that's speed, right. man. My uh, my dumpage, my dumpage is up there, man. I'm pretty yeah, good. Yeah. You you are a dump truck, my man. And so, boom, baby. Not only do I have a dump truck. I am a dumb truck. We do exceptionally well. But what what what, uh, what Sark was talking about right there, just kind of talking about, you know, with the, you know, you go back and you kind of silence that whole thing. You win, you win in Ames. And I was talking about you go back and and, and the win over Kansas. And, and if you're really, truly going to take yourself out of the Big 12 and go to the SEC, you really are silencing and, and squashing a lot of different things. And and I think that that here with the game on Friday against Texas Tech, especially with your mark, you with with everything that's been going on right here, here here's the other chance. Here, here's just another chapter in here where it's like, okay, we're leaving the Big Twelve, and they're just checking shit off, right? Uh, I saw somebody posting something about you're still big on the, you like you're still big on this whole exit of the Big Twelve. Shit like drives me crazy. We're dude. we're going out. We're we're burning the house down. We're burning the the entire conference down as we're going out, man. You know, that's two right. birds flipped up for you guys. F you big 12. I kind of, I'm not to your extreme just yet, but the more and more I see the big 12s, the big 12 officials just taking a dump on us. That's what it is to me. I think it's like, it's like everything is stacked against you. I I mean, when, when it feels like that and I hate feel, I hate feeling like this and Longhorn fans. I, I feel like all of us are, are like this, right? Like, it feels like it's us versus the world because we're Texas fans. Is that, Dude, is that I, fair? And it's weird. It's weird to say that we shouldn't say that, right? Uh, because we are like we're a two point two point one billion dollar school that brings in that type of revenue. Man, we shouldn't feel like it's us versus the world. But damn, Rodney, it's hard not to. Wags, I I am no way even close to being an Oklahoma Sooner fan, dude. They're getting the shaft, and it's like I mean, there there've been some stuff in their games where I'm like. Jeez, come on! I saw that I mean, a little bit. Too. I didn't want to give right? him any. I didn't want to give him any love, no, but I saw that a little bit too, man. I'm wondering if it's because we are exiting and they're just like, "Fuck you." That's yeah. that's petty, but I mean, hell, the world's petty, dude. I know, and that's and that's where where you look at that. It, it, it's like you know, you, you you call it like it is, and and like I said, I don't want to give any love to Oklahoma, but man, that they, they are good. I mean, maybe not as bad. I mean, maybe, but it's like, dude, come on. 
This shit's way obvious, man. Ray Charles could see this shit happening. Stevie Wonder, Ronnie Millsap, you name the people. It's, I mean, it's it, pretty. You, I mean, I think I you think, could see it in the dark the other night. I think the obvious question is, or or the obvious statement is, when you have two interior studs like Murphy and um and Sweat, and none of them are, you know, neither of them get holding calls yeah. game in and game out. Like, are are you even looking? Is my like, or, or are you just you know kind of turning your damn eye because you see it happening on every play? It, it makes me it. I don't know. It's to the point now where I just don't even I don't even bother to say anything about it. But it was so obvious on Saturday, especially when Murphy was able to make that sack on back after being tackled. I was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. I know you see I actually tweeted at the Big 12 conference because I knew they saw the damn thing. It's just atrocious football, man. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat the opposition enough as it is they don't need help from another team being two officials that's yeah, just yeah, it's like you're beating you're beating two opponents yeah. and that's and that's that's what really makes bad it so matchup. hard that's a bad matchup yeah i mean it really yeah yeah two on one two on one is never a good thing uh well, hey, I, I mean it is two on one can be a good thing i've, <laughs> I've had two on one before yeah yeah well in that sense it is never a bad thing my friend Never. <laughs> Not at all, man. Well, well no. I guess it depends who the other one is. Well, uh, I was the one. I was the one. No, I wasn't. That's what I'm oh, talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, hey, top man. of the hour. Top top of the hour. Gotta talk. And remember, we are going two hours today. We are going up till noon. We'll take you to the midday show. Um, only an hour with Jeff Howe. We'll be back tomorrow, I believe. And then uh, we will have um, I think he's going to have his uh, his full time co host. All of that will be in place, but we got to get through the holiday week. Are we right going to have to talk about who the full time co host is? I don't even know who it is. You have to tell me who it is. I don't know who it is. You don't know who it is either. Hell no, you don't either. Do you? I do, but I, I don't know if we're allowed to say it. Oh, you'll have to send me a. Text. Of course, I know. Of course, I know. Yeah, what am I doing wrong? I don't. I'm a, I'm over there in Ames. I'm in the dark. I have top secret clearance. I still hold a top secret clearance. Well, I gotta say, I, I I was one of the late additions here to this uh to this uh deal. So so maybe maybe that's what it was. I hey. have no fucking clue who it is. Honestly, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> so good, good, good. Be, be uh, hell, I thought it was you. <laughs> no, no, it's not me. Uh, hey, uh, covert BK. I do want to talk about Covert Bee Cave. Um, man, I'll tell you what, right there, 42 acres uh, out in Bee Cave. That, that, those dealerships, man, three state-of-the-art dealerships nestled in that beautiful hill country out there. Take take a ride on out there. Uh, seven different brands that you're going to find of uh, Buicks, GMCs, Cadillacs, Chryslers, Dodge, Jeeps, and Rams. And, of course, if you're looking for the uh, Fords and the Chevrolets, you're going to find those over in Hutto, Hop'em, Hop'em, Hippos. Again, a big thanks once again to our great friends over at Academy. Um, man, what a great uh, time we had out there Thursday with that brand new grand opening at that beautiful Academy store right there off of Ed Schmidt Boulevard in Hutto. Great time we had Thursday, so go check those great folks out. The Fords and the Lincolns available in Austin as well. That's uh, that's kind of one of the one of the staples right there uh, over off of Research Boulevard and 183. Not only that, uh, your new and pre-owned specials, all of that at covertbcave.com. You can dive on right there. You don't have to wait. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be. I'm sure there's going to be some Thanksgiving specials, Black Friday specials, all of that. But, man, you don't have to have a holiday to get a the best deal on a new or pre-owned vehicle at Covert Bee Cave because they're doing that every week. CovertBeeCave.com. Go out and check out Dan Covert and all of our great friends there. The Covert family since 1909. 
serving Central Texans and Central Texans and Central Texans. Also, don't do your maintenance. Go there, covertbcave.com, 86 service bays. They'll take care of that. They ain't going to keep you there all day. They're going to get you on down the road so you can keep up with your busy life. Covertbcave.com. And remember, nobody beats a covert deal, not now, and sure as hell, not ever. And we also want to tell you about our friends at avconsultations.com, 512-255-8678. That is the number for the best audiovisual automation company in all of Austin, Texas. They've been setting the standard for 35 years. They continue to do so since 1988. You don't have an idea of what you want? You see these behind me? Arcade machines, flat screen TVs. You can get them all in your house. 512-255-8678. That's avconsultations.com. All right, Rodney, let's get back into it, my guy. Hey, I like this right here. I like this here from Daryl G. Texas players wearing that WWE Big 12 uh, belt, uh, MVP belt at the end of the old DX. Suck it. Remember that? Bring yeah. it back. I, I don't know. I, maybe three, maybe at least three times I went to the principal's office. Boom, boom, hitting the socket. Oh, that was the thing. Uh, of course, I'm 10 years younger than you, but that was the thing. Like going through what? I, seventh, oh, seventh through ninth grade. I got in a lot of trouble for doing DX stuff. Oh man, I, I think Texas. I think Texas had to run out from the tunnel on Friday with the DX theme plan. That that whole, oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. They need to do that. The road dog. We talked about the Iron Claw right on Friday. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. I've watched this. I've I've watched the trailer another time. Like it's probably like six or seven times now that I watched the trailer. I can't wait for that movie, dude. It um. I think think it's going to be one of those things to where it's truly a sad story. Cause like I was telling you, I got to get you over here one day wags, because I'll show you all my old world-class merchandise, man. I've got Kerry Von Eric, David Von Eric, Kevin Von Eric autographs. I mean, I've got all this shit. I mean, you know, I'm pulling out these old helmets that I have laying around. I mean, I'm like Fred Sanford over here. Well, I had Um, had smash on the Wagner wire yesterday too. I saw that. Yeah. You guys guys might not know that like smash was a minor league wrestler. Um, so he came what? up. Through the, I didn't know yeah, that. He came up through the farm system, man. Um, he didn't. He doesn't really have the stature. He's got like a Rey Mysterio kind of uh, body stature. And if you yeah, move yeah, around like yeah. Rey Mysterio at that size, and you're probably not going to get signed by a big org or by uh, by WWE. But but Smash has the moves down, man. He's got it down. That's awesome. That's awesome. We got to get. Uh, yeah, we had a we had to get some well, of those. that show with Suplex too, too, man. Yeah, yeah, it was good to good to have Stu back on. I, I mean, that, that that's a good dude right there to to get him on. They do uh, him and Stu ought to do a show on here, man. Oh well, they yeah, sports guys talking wrestling. I, I mean, sports guys talking wrestling. Boom. Figure out a way to, to to get that going over here. But yes, I'm looking very forward to that. Iron we're going to hear from Sarkeesian as well, Rodney. But uh, overall, just your thoughts. I wanted to really get your breakdown on Baxter, man. We, you and I, both had concerns without JB. Yeah. We didn't know if the Longhorns would be able to, to, or I guess supplement the type of production that JB had. I was a little bit more optimistic because I remember that we wanted CJ Baxter as our number one before we actually went into the season. Um, It's just injury prone was what was keeping Baxter off of the field and actually solidified JB as Jonathan Brooks as our number one bell cow. Yeah, I'd... I'm sorry. I think we were concerned, but man, uh, CJ Baxter, he averaged six yards a carry. Correct. Now, how, now how much my, I guess my question is because of the injury or the, the minor injuries that we saw in the first two weeks, 
and just you know CJ Bastard got kind of getting banged up you know for the first three weeks, I guess. Um, how much of the payload can you feel confident in putting on CJ Baxter moving forward or consistently moving forward going into the Texas Tech and then going into the Big 12 championship? Um, I mean, I would love to see him up around 20 totes, 22 totes, yeah. but also, like, you got to get – I don't know how much of the payload that he can take just on his shoulders alone. I think you got to put this on Blue as well. Blue – I thought Blue should have had at least at least 10 totes, maybe even 12. Uh, change the pace up. And, it, uh, of course, who am I to sit here and second-guess what, we, what we're doing on Saturdays, man? We won. We came out 26-16 to 16 victorious. I, yeah, for me, I would yeah. just like to see a little bit more of change of pace in in the uh, the rushing attack. That's all. I love yeah. uh, again to go back on it. What we talked about in the first hour. I loved what they did implementing the running backs into the passing game. That's all we asked for last week, and it happened. Yeah, and and I think that this is a great uh, this is a great uh, message right here from uh, DJ Dog uh, Thirty One. Uh, Baxter was getting better the more he carried the ball. Some great backs need to to get that workload to show how good they are. CJ c- kind of showed that, and and that that's but actually something that, that plays in the Sarkeesian's game plan too, right? We talk about it like the high tempo offense, right? Allow your offense to go out there and wear down the defense so it's easier to run the ball in the later fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I really think that that's something. I mean, it's all about reps. I mean, it all it, it is all about reps, and 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 when you're going to be the one toting it, um, I, I think that that's. Uh, I mean, we saw it yesterday with Tony Pollard. I mean, we can get to the NFL later on, but what I saw yesterday with Tony Pollard, they they were feeding him a little bit more, and it seemed like the further that that that, that game went on, that's when we started to see the Tony Pollard that we're more accustomed to, but. I mean, I think with C.J. Baxter, 20 for 117, uh, the long, uh, I guess his longest run was 20 yards or whatever it was, but I do like the average because the average to me just uh, really shows that, that that he's pounding. I mean, if you're averaging six yards a carry, I think that's something that, that that's truly going to be uh, really good moving forward. But I agree with you as well, Wags, to, to where th- there's, I think the thing with Jaden Blue especially now that we're into the season finale and then going into the Big 12 championship, hopefully, and then beyond that, is that with Jaden Blue, you, you've got some film on him, but not the film that you have on on Baxter or on on or on, on Jonathan Brooks. It's like, okay, boom, pop that in there, and I think that's an added element. And again, I, I am not a running back right. by right. committee no. guy, but, but I, I am very much a – trickle in different things to the game plan multiple back. yeah multiple I, looks i'm a multiple look i like i like making the opposition think that we have more i mean hell even the weapons that we're not going to use i want them to think that we're going to hit them with you know what i mean i want them to be yeah. afraid of everything that's for sure um i i, I, I want them walking on eggshells walking on tiptoes man um also like with blue also going over the century mark it's clear it's it's not just sure we have studs in the backfield but Rodney, we got a system up front, mm-hmm. and we're we're putting these running backs into this system that are allowing them to have tremendous success, and it's led by Banks in the front line. Um, so hats off to them. We need to be giving us, we need yeah. to be giving them five Longhorns because uh, that front five up there, keeping it clean, not just for viewers and and company, but also allowing you know holes to establish and holes to open up for uh, for Baxter and Blue, man. So shout out to the Longhorn offensive line. Thank you guys for doing what you do best, man, and just pushing mass everywhere. So thank. Uh, Hey, let's continue to push a little bit more mass, though, in the goal line situations, all right? Let's just kind of yeah. establish dominance. And, and and Rodney, that's what you saw in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. you, you saw hat yeah. on hat, and you saw the best, you saw the better team, the bigger team uh, winning and, and starting to pull ahead, man. And that's what I love. Um, 
you know, if you continue to go out here and, and play like you did on Saturday, man, I don't think that Friday should be any type of struggle. Of course, Texas Tech, they can get after it with their offense. We know that they can they can they can put some points up. We know that, man. But uh dude, I think this is ours, man. I think the Longhorns are in really good position to ride this thing out and claim the victory of the Big 12 here. Yeah. Uh, the man. question for you, Rodney, is will we be able to win this thing outright? Um, we do have scenarios that we need to talk about here. Um, but will we will we be able to win this thing outright, or will there actually be a Big 12 competition game, a championship yeah, I think game? All, all you do, I mean, all you have to do, Wags, is just go beat Texas Tech. I mean, that... that I, I, some, we need some help. Uh, well, I, I think Tech, the beautiful... We need, we need to beat Texas Tech. The way I see it, we need to beat Texas... For us to have no game for the, for the Big 12 National Championship, we need to beat Texas Tech on Friday, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State... And Washington State need to lose. Well, or not Washington. Excuse me, Kansas State. Wow, Washington. State. Well, there, 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 there will be a Big Twelve title game. Uh, I think. I mean, but, yeah, but, but like, who do you play? I mean, if you could win outright, like if you don't have to win yeah. out, or excuse me, you don't have right. to win the game. You can actually be Big Twelve champions. Oh yeah, that 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 part right there. It's like, oh my goodness, when you start talking about. Uh, and that's where, you know, easier said than done when we say just go win. I mean, everything tells us in Texas. I'll tell you what I am looking forward to see. Uh, you remember Taj Brooks from Maynard? You probably call some of his games um, back in the day with some IHS fan stuff. Uh, that's that's the leading toter right there for uh, Texas Tech, 1,371 yards. So, dude out okay. of Maynard. Dude out of Maynard. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but anyway, it, it's – I mean, just go take care of business. Do, it, I, I think – I think Wags, if I would love to see the game that we saw on Saturday night against Texas Tech. But of course, I do want to step on the gas just a little bit more because I kind of do want to beat them a little bit worse than what that one was. But I think if you execute execute that same game plan and you do what you did right there, you lean on that defensive front and and you you and I love what you said a while ago. When 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 we're talking about CJ Baxter and Jonathan Brooks and all the different running backs, man, if you got those hog mollies, I love how you say that. If you got those hog mollies up in the front that are controlling the line of scrimmage, that makes it a hell of a lot easier, dude. Yeah. And and it and it goes without saying that. And that's why I love talking with Jeff Howe because you know Jeff Howe was one of those dudes where he played on he the played, offensive was line. He a guard or attack? I, uh, I don't remember exactly what he was. He's one remember. of those brains that he probably played center because the center, you know, like if you talk about offensive line play with Jeff Howell, he, you know, talk breaks it down like he's playing chess and Chinese checkers. So to me, it, it Jeff kind of strikes me as maybe a center because, you know, usually they're the captain of the line and they're the one making all the damn calls. So uh, yeah. I, 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 if I'm a betting man, and we all know that I am, I, I'd like <laughs> to think that Jeff Howell's probably a center. Well, huh? And I think maybe I'm just where, maybe I'm just fantasizing trying to get up underneath Jeff's uh, backside there. I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 you're fantasizing about getting up Jeff's uh, backside. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh. Um, let, let me tell you this. To, to me, even going back you to tell me about Jeff's backside. <laughs> fantasizing about Jeff's backside. <laughs> Jeff is not going to want to work with you ever again. Uh, I have a bad feeling uh, as what's going on right here. What the hell's Wax talking about? But the the other part of that is, is exactly like you're talking about right there. I mean, because I played some offensive line back in the day, and, and it was it was pretty clear. You protect the A gap, the B gap, what, whatever. What did you play? Guard or tackle? You know, you uh, wasn't a center. 
no, I, I was a guard. <laughs> I was right. a guard uh, when I played offensive guard. I would get to pull and, and do whatever, like on the counter, trying to run the counter tray or what, whatever the case may have been. But it was pretty simple back then because, well, well, again, this was just maybe in, in some variations of high school. But you had, okay, you that's the guy that you need to go get, you know, whatever. But now when you see these offensive linemen, dude, like you were talking about with the, with the center making play calls and everything on the offensive line right now, dude, it's, it's just as crazy as a quarterback right there because the offensive line, man, you got to be sharp because you're trying to read your pre-snap reads and all that shit are unbelievable now on on the offensive line. The play changes, whether you got an even or an odd front, right? Like your blocking scenes are going to change. Like uh, if you're trying to do a counter that you're talking about or a trap that you're talking about on an odd front, it's going to be in a little bit more. Um, on an even front, you're going to be, you know, having to, to push your trap out a little bit closer towards like the five hole or the five technique. I don't know. It's just, it, it's in, you know, as, as a linebacker hearing that stuff like that, you you also know what the offensive line is, is making their calls as well. It's a real, uh, we talk about chess. We've talked about chess a few times here. We've made that analogy um, in comparison there. There is a lot of mind games going on just within uh, oh. the offensive line, just within the trenches. It's not just, you know, manslaughter warfare up there oh, uh, with, yeah. with ugly football and and bashing, you know, mass weight all around. No, dude, like there's there's some there's some head games, man, as I like to call it, dude. Well, and I think the other part of that, I mean, just even the I mean, the snap count. I mean, think about in the old days, it's like you'd be in the huddle and it'd be like, I don't know, I'll make up a play 24 dive on two. And, you know, it's like hut hut. And that's when you take off. Now it's like, Shit, all these different things. I listen to Dak Prescott, and I'm like, what in the hell? If I'm an offensive lineman, man, I'm totally confused, and you go on the clap of the hands and all this. Offensive linemen now, honestly, Wags, offensive linemen to me have to be some of the most intelligent people on the goddamn football field. They usually are. The the offensive line usually are the most most intelligent (laughs) people on the the team. Uh, This is a good one from DJ Dog as well. Florida State, who has two games without – Jordan Travis, who just went down this Saturday, and Oregon versus Washington in the Pac-12 championship game is a way for us to get back into the top four without a win, or excuse me, if we went out, correct. Um, yeah, and we talked a little bit about this too, right? Out of the four teams remaining in the top, uh, you know, in, in the top four right now, pushing for the college football playoff, I do believe the Florida State is the team that can get got, right? It's not just because Travis went down. They're the team that isn't complete, um, for lack of a better, uh, for lack of better words or lack of a better statement. Uh, when I look at Ohio State, when I look at Georgia, and when I look at Michigan, I, I, I look yeah. at three institutions that can win in multiple facets of a game that can spread you out and and play small, and that can bring you in and play big, right? Especially Michigan. Michigan can do that. Um, three dominant defenses as well. The reason why I had Ohio State and Michigan above Georgia is because Georgia's offense hasn't been performing consistently as we've seen in the past when, you know, the last two years that they've, you know, hoisted the national championship, right? The past two weeks, going back to Ole Miss, you know, their, their, you know, impressive victory over Ole Miss, this offense is starting to fire on all cylinders. Um, Yeah. And yeah. that is probably the scariest thing, not just for the Texas Longhorns, but for Michigan and for Ohio State too, right? You were waiting when the the Bulldogs were actually going to wake up. They're awake. Uh, they yeah. are firing. To, if if you've seen, uh, you know, trends over the past two weeks, the past 14 days, it looks like that 
this offensive program for the Georgia Bulldogs has woken up and uh, they're about to ready to war to roar into the SEC championship and into December football play. So um, well, that's when it counts the most, man. And if you're uh, if you're Michigan, you're just trying to survive to get through one more week so Jim Harbaugh can come back. And basically, um, how this how this you know pans out to me, if you're Ryan Day and you don't get the victory over Michigan here in the last, I mean. Dude, without Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you're you're one and two versus Jim Harbaugh already. So you kind of needed a little bit of an advantage going into this, I thought. You have that advantage now. If you don't take away this victory for Michigan, Ryan Day might I, – I, I don't want to say that Ryan Day might be out on – you know, might be out of a job, but I, clearly he's probably on a hot seat. Well, and here's here's where it gets – Obviously, I've I've really come to the come to the to, to the fact to, to just realize for Texas, win Friday, win the Big Twelve championship. Let 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 whatever is going to happen happen because so much of that. I mean, so, so much is out of the control, and and we keep we've talked about that you know so many different times on here the last couple of weeks to where it's like so many different things. I mean, you have no control over, and that's a shitty feeling. I mean, that's a crappy feeling whether it's this in life, you know, whatever you're waiting on a lot of different things to happen, but. I think where it's really going to get interesting lags is, is when you have that game that you're talking about, when you have Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, wh- whatever happens with that one, it's so, um, DJ. DJ, this will affect the top four as well. Yes, like, absolutely, uh, absolutely. All, all conference play is going to, especially if you're if you're this far up into your into the rankings for the college football playoff, and you know, two two versus three is going to play, or see, or I don't even know what the rankings are. Is did Georgia surpass? Is Georgia the number one team again? Yeah, I didn't. Or I didn't they see the were. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so two but, two v three is going to play. That's going to knock one of them down to, yeah. to six or seven, right? Because yeah. Oregon, you'd like to think that if Oregon beats Washington, they'll jump up and get into the top four. Uh, if Washington beats Oregon, Washington is getting up into the top four, right? So uh, again, yeah. man, somebody's moving down, and, and the Longhorns, if they win impressively, they could have a chance to jump and get up into the four spot here. Rodney, a lot of, a lot. We need a lot of help, man. And, and, help. and that's exactly right. I mean, a lot of people are going to need help, and and there's still. It's so funny to think that we're at the end of this thing, and there's so much to that's going to shake itself out here. You know, in the next week and a half or whatever it's going to be. But this is where we get back to, you know, kind of back to that whole what was that 2008 or whatever it was when when you had Cal in Texas, where somebody's going to get the shaft, and depending how this. That game right there with Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, there's going to be with with the one loss teams, man. They're probably going to be two or three one loss teams that are going to their ass is going to be pretty pissed off, and they're going to have. You. So, right? Dumbler, how how far do you think Michigan or Ohio State loses, or, or excuse me, if which which one of these teams lose, how far do you think they drop back? You can't you can't penalize them too much, right? Because you would yeah. like to think that the college football or, or just held everybody in college football wants to see Michigan and Ohio state in the playoff, right? Like this, this kind of sucks that it's going down to this because you're not clearly the big 10 is losing here. If neither, if both of these two schools don't get in because guy, I mean, let's, let's be real here. Um, These are the two out of the top four. These are two of the best four. Oh, no, Michigan and Ohio state. No doubt. Let's be be completely real. And it sucks that it happens, you know, in this timely fashion, but it would be completely detrimental to college football if we do not have Michigan and Ohio State in the college football playoff. That's just my take. And that's where it sucks because I, 
I guess it sucks, but at the same time, it doesn't because this game is at the very end of the season. Yeah, you know, if it were if it were at the beginning of the season, you know, maybe that would affect it a little bit more. But I mean, on the question about how far are they going to drop, what are they going to fucking do? Flip flop spots? I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, you maybe know. you drop maybe you drop somebody back two spots, uh, or or put them, you know, put them at five and hope somebody messes up to allow them to get back in. Be- yeah. Hell, at that point, they'd be one. They'd be, one loss. They'd yeah, be a one-loss team, right? They've only had yeah. one loss. Yeah, and and I think that okay, this let is. Let me where... ask you this: Michigan, okay. Michigan. Okay. If Michigan and Ohio State loses, right? So, or just regardless, like hypothetical, right? Michigan or Ohio State loses, both of those teams will have one, or one of the teams will have one loss. Can you put Texas ahead of them? No. <laughs> No, no. I mean, you can't. I mean, because we're we're, we're going to fall. You don't up. want it to happen. You just you know you can't, and that's why that's why Alabama needs to go fucking win the SEC championship. I mean, because you're still hanging on that. You're still hanging on that. I mean, that's that's if the Alabama, one, if Alabama can beat Georgia, then then this is gone. That's, that's the one big nut that you have in your factor, right? In your in your corner right now. But here's the thing, Wags. This is where I think to where you know we 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 have talked down here about style points and all that shit. And I think a lot of us agree that well, style points don't matter. But what if if Michigan goes out and beats Ohio State twenty-seven to nothing? That's that's style that's points. Emphatic. Yeah, that's emphatic. Like that's <laughs> so, that's a dominant factor that probably knocks Ohio State down to six. Right. And, and that I would, I would think, I mean, I'm not, I'm so, not. A, so honestly, a that that's, I mean, if I'm a Texas fan, if I'm a Alabama fan, if I'm any of these fans, Oregon, I mean, all of these people that are going to be on the, on the outside looking in, I'm hoping that game is a slobber knocker and somebody gets their ass whooped is so what I'm hoping. Brings up something really good here. Couldn't they jump us if they beat Georgia? That's It's a good possibility, yes. but I mean, there's Blake, we still have the head to head. That's so that's, that's why I'm rooting for Alabama, just because we have that head-to-head. Now, I don't know how much that'll keep into consideration after they knock off Georgia, right? You would think that the committee would be like, all right, yeah, we're going to put you over. You know what I mean? Like, you beat Georgia. But again, that maybe that comes down to to style points, too. Like, how big, you know, how bad they beat Georgia. And I love having these big teams play towards the middle of the season and the beginning of the season because you just – you don't have enough time to write the ship after you lose in a conference championship. You just don't. Yeah, and it, and yeah. it sucks if it really sucks if you're Michigan and, uh, and, and Ohio state, if you're going into this two and three, cause you know that you belong in the damn playoff. Same in the same scenario for Georgia and, and Alabama. Like you could argue that you could argue that Alabama should be in the playoff. Of course it's, it's, it's Bama, man. It's Saban's Bama until that rain is, is absolutely out of the college football landscape. Then that conversation still needs to happen, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Alabama should get a nod over Texas just based off of a third-party system. However, if Alabama wins emphatically over Georgia, then I, regardless of the head-to-head, man, I think you got to put Bama over Texas, and I, it, it kills me to say that. Well, and you know, part of me, kind of going back to the Ohio State-Michigan discussion, I mean, part of me, the the old school football part of me, I look at that and I'm like, okay, elimination game. It's like whoever loses that one should drop. You're out of the picture. I mean, it essentially is a playoff game if you look at it that way. 
But at the same time, you look at it the other way that we're talking about, where it's like, oh, you know, it's it's two of the best four that are playing each other, and then whichever one just happened to uh, go over the other. But I think that that one right there, Wags, that that contest right there is really going to be the one that dictates it because, dude, it's going to be freaking mayhem after that thing if everybody continues to win out. And that's where, you know, with let's say that it's Texas. I mean, who do who – do, as a long as a Longhorn follower, who who do you want? Do you want to do you want to go try to avenge that win over Oklahoma, or do you want Oklahoma State? I want Oklahoma State because I want it back to what we were talking about, and I think BK said this earlier. I think I heard to where it's like, okay, we want to beat everybody on the way out of here. Let's let's beat Gundy on the way out of here. But God bless America, man. Uh, I think at this point, it's like I guess maybe you want Oklahoma and try to avenge that one because it's going to count more for this shit. I want Oklahoma. I, I mean, I think. I would like to. I would like to play the Cowpokes one last time, but I would like. I would like to get our revenge against Oklahoma. I thought we were the better team that day. I just thought that we didn't execute well. We allowed that game to get away from us, and the middle of the field was completely vulnerable, and we didn't protect it. And they exploited it, and that's why they were uh, victorious that day. I think if you roll that game out again, and we are able to right some of the wrongs. I think that we win in dominating factor. I really do. I thought we were the dominant team that day. I, I don't even know how Oklahoma was was in the same ball game, let alone one. Uh, to be honest with you, again, it was a neutral site, so uh, anything can happen up at the Cotton Bowl. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have a, a really decent take on that, except for the fact that I want yeah. Oklahoma one more time. And, and Longhorn Bear, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be great. But but kind of, um, you know what? Why haven't why haven't we done this before? We were just talking about Formula One. What the hell are they doing? They got one dude out there winning every damn race. And they got people glued to the TV and people showing up for this thing. Uh, I mean, this as stupid as this is that we're sitting here having this discussion that the human factor is going to factor into who gets into the college football playoff based on how all this shit winds up. It's, um, <laughs> they've got us talking about it, man. And, and here we are once again, every year, it's like every year we have this discussion, how stupid this system is, but here we are still it's better in the BCS. I guess it's, uh, it's what makes for good, good hype, right? Like, um, of course, college football has its own product, and we're going to talk about it every Saturday. Like it's it's going to be you know the baby for all of us, right? We I love college football more than NFL football. I, I think everybody knows that by now. Um, I think the scenarios with the hypothetical is good for the pundits because it allows us to keep you know just the conversation of college football, right? Like it's just yeah. constant college football. It's it's you know Monday through Friday we're talking you know not only of the outcome that's on the game but now we're talking about hypotheticals going into you know the two weeks from now or, or going in from a month from now when we're playing uh for the college football playoff I think it's done by design Rodney and, um, and, so, and so much of it wags is subjective I mean because oh, can, yeah it's all that's yeah. what hypothetical is, is, is because, subjective. yeah because we we could sit here and say I mean as we're talking about we're talking about strength of schedule and head-to-heads and all this shit and and while maybe maybe it's going to be the head-to-head doesn't matter the game that we're talking about right here that is going to probably be the one to set this whole playoff thing into motion I guarantee fucking tell you that head-to-head Michigan Ohio State's going to going to count right you know so that you know that's that's where you get into that stuff right there and and it you know it's just silly man it's just silly i mean here we are but you know the good thing about it where i go back to it because we've talked about this as well to where this year it really just does seem like you don't know what to expect 
you don't know what to expect. And on Saturdays, that's for sure, my guy. You know what I mean? Like I thought for sure Michigan was going to be able to roll Maryland. Nah, Maryland showed up in in College Park, made that the game. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, somebody said it best. Uh, I can't find the the chat or the actual comment or whatever. But yeah, Corum, man. Uh, Corum for, for Michigan, dude, just continuing to run hard for, for the Wolverines there starts going up, you know, continuing to solidify himself in milestones there, Michigan getting them their thousandth win, uh, in their, in their program's history. Shout out to them as well. I think it's going to be an, an awesome, uh, last month and a half going through for, uh, for college football. That's for sure. My guy, um, we got to get into some professional football. We got a Monday night football game to talk about as well. We got about a half hour before we get back in, or excuse me, before we turn this back off to the midday thing. Um, let's hear from our sponsors one more time. You want to hear from, you want to talk about covert BK real quick? Yep. Yep. We got them. We got them. We, we got covert BK. Let's, uh, let's talk about great blue heron furniture. Because I'll tell you what, that stuff right there, that is a custom leather furniture company started back in 1991, focusing on heavy leathers, hides, and the uh, fabrics ranging from uh, traditional Western to modern farmhouses. Really good looking stuff. I got to tell you guys, this stuff is beautiful. It's unbelievable. It's also the highest quality you can find. I mean, furniture is something that you don't, uh, you, you don't want something janky. How about that youngster term right there? You want something that is built comfortably. It's stylish, and, and 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 that's so important in your furniture, especially if you're going to be keeping it for a long time. If you click on the YouTube video right here, uh, you can see the doggo right there. It's going to take you to our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. If you use our promo code, Hook'em, pretty easy to remember, Hook'em, 15% off of that purchase. You're also going to get you one of those uh, last stand hats uh, that our man BK is going to get out to you as well. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, and that's what you want. I mean, you, you want to grow old with it. It's like your puppy. It's like your wife. It's like your kids. You want them to grow old with you. Your furniture is not going to bitch at you. So you want that to be stylish and comfortable. That's good stuff right there. You look no further than great blue hair and furniture. Click that link for more information or call them at 866-247-9688. It is Great Blue Heron Furniture. You saying you you want your wife to be furniture for you? Sure. I kind of want myself to be furniture for my wife. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what it's right here, huh? That's what I'm talking about. How about this? How about this seat? Right That's here. Perfect seat. Yeah, right here. Stylish. Comfortable, stylish for decades. The curvature it's suited for your seat. It's suited for you. Built to last for decades. One hundred percent. Who wants to ride? Woo! Here we are, man. Well, yeah, chaos theory. One, I guess, twenty nine minutes left until we wrap this thing up and get you sent off to your midday, man. Um, we got to talk about the professional gridiron as well. We've been talking a lot about the amateur gridiron uh, on that college front here. Um, things shaping up great collegiately now we got to talk about the pros here um is it truly a Baltimore Ravens AFC or will we see the champs of the AFC remind us about how powerful they how powerful they are on Monday Night Football against arguably the NFC's best team I'm looking forward to this one tonight. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think that Super Bowl rematch, you know, you keep hearing that. Here's, here's Philadelphia. The, the, the Swift Bowl. Huh? How about that? Is it, is it a you Swift Bowl it now? It's, it, no, it's a Kelsey Bowl with Taylor Swift as the front runner. Sideshow. 
Sideshow. How many times do we see her? I don't even know if she's going to be there. All right, but, well, let's do right, let's do let's do a prop bet on this. How many right. times do we see a? I kind of talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday on the Wagner Wire. How many yeah. times do we see a pan to the booth to see Taylor Swift? We are going to see her. Let's make an over under. If I give you over under six and a half. Six think, and a half over under Taylor Swift. But there's a there's a caveat to this, right? There's a bonus kicker, okay? How many times will we see Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes do a handshake? Ooh, or do a... Oh, my Lord. I, I think... Your hair type a bit. I think we're going to see... I think we're going to see Taylor Swift five times. Five. And... And then, so let, let's see what, what what's over under on this ball game. I don't have that right in front of me. The the over under on the ball game is two or excuse me, forty five and a half. Forty five and a half is the over under. Kansas City is actually giving two and a half to uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's about three touchdowns, you know, two and a half touchdowns and a field goal. I think we see Brittany and Taylor. So we're going to see Taylor five times. We're going to see Brittany and. Brittany and oh, Taylor. We're going to see you're, you're thinking about them panning gonna, to the booth every time. Three times. We're going to see them doing their jive turkey stuff three times. Jive I'm going to say we get a Taylor Swift showcase. Three, at least we we see Taylor at least three times. I'll take the over on three. I do think we see a Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift handshake. We'll see it at least the over on the over under on this is a half. I'm taking the over on this. And, and gonna I'm going to, we're, we're going to see the Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift handshake. And it's and sad gonna... that we actually have to talk about this shit because <laughs> this is how much she is dominating NFL football. And it's honestly, it's the reason why NFL football sucks. It's the Taylor Swift effect. And I'll take a flyer that we're going to see on the ESPN broadcast. We're going to see her making her way to the, to the, VIP or whatever. She'll be coming in. She'll be coming. We we got to see. We got to see her attire, right? We got to see what she's wearing. We got to see the garb. Got to see what she's wearing. And this is where I go back to with with the Kansas City Chiefs game. If it's like, if you want to show a hot young lady, show me Gracie Hunt instead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm all about that. I'm all about. See her no times. I'll see her on Twitter several times. Oh yeah, absolutely. In the gram. All right, so also Rodney, um, Repo Radio. Here. I gotta, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Wrong team favored. You think? No. Wrong team favored, and this is crazy because Andy Reid. I don't, I don't think Andy Reid's lost four games in his career coming out of a bye. I, I, I got to check one. I got to check that stat actually. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why because the numbers tell me not to take Philly right now. I got Philadelphia winning this thing. Wrong team favored, man. No. Wrong team favored. Yeah, man. And I know I'm a giant. Look, it's not because of Giants misery. It's not. Hey, Danny DeVito's nephew is leading the Giants to the to the Super Bowl, buddy. Danny DeVito's Danny DeVito's nephew. It's a joke. We all know that Tommy DeVito is not Danny DeVito. Uh is not Danny DeVito's nephew. As a matter of fact, they're not, not? I don't think they're I don't think they're related. Uh, but look, Tommy DeVito putting up some you know 31 points in fantasy numbers there how about that leading the giants over the over the commanders maybe the giants write the ship and we can actually make mm, no. 
the wild card. No, hey, no, did you hear, did you hear the other happening. part? Did you hear the other part about the end of that game uh, last night or yesterday at FedEx? So so they get done there. The Giants win. Devito take, takes the Giants to victory. Both teams go into the line, and, and that FedEx field is a piece of shit. I mean, I've heard stories Yo, about. Have that you before. ever been? Have you ever been to that stadium? I've never been to that place. The stadium's right. falling apart, you, dude. If, if, it, if it takes on any amount of rain whatsoever, it leaks through the the, the damn bleachers. And I, I'm not I'm not talking about just one spot of the bleachers. The entire bleacher set. Like if you if you're under the awning, like a lot of people like yeah. to go under the awnings, right? Because they yeah. they think they're kind of safe from the weather. Not it. Not a FedEx deal, man. You're you're toast, bro. So 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 both teams get done. Giants win. They go to the locker room to take a shit and take a take a shower. Yeah. No hot, festivities. No hot water. No hot water there. <laughs> UPS. Yeah. UPS. Um, um so yeah. Dan Snyder's no longer there, so they don't have that excuse anymore. Maybe the fallout You forgot to pay the hot water bill. Yeah, yeah. He said, screw you guys. You want me out of Washington? Fine, I'm done. Nation's capital no longer. You're gonna reap the you're gonna reap my I guess my turds for the next you know decade or whatnot. Uh yeah. Commanders, you know, botch one up and let the Giants come in and, and take victory there. Another thing, hey, we got to talk about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow gone for the year. Uh will not play another down this year for the Bengals. Does does Browning do they insert the rifle, the Browning rifle now for the Cincinnati Bengals? Does he come in and and you know take Jamar Chase and T Higgins and and Boyd and company to uh you know to the AFC North Championship? No, I don't think yeah. so, my guy. Baltimore looks poised to make a run at this thing, man. Yeah, I, I think I think Cincinnati's done at this point. I mean, you lose the the magnitude of that. I mean, golly, man, that that's a huge loss for them. And, and like we're talking about in that division, dude, it is just so it is stacked. I mean, Baltimore. Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco has got a job, huh? Joe Flacco throws the Joe Flacco throws the fifteen and out better than anybody in the league still, Rodney. Yeah. Apparently, and he still gets yeah. dinner from his mom. He and Tommy DeVito, he and Tommy <laughs> DeVito are getting dinners from their mom. And Davo Swinney. Dabo Swinney. That's all. Oh man, yeah, man. I, I think Cincinnati's done because, uh, yeah, man, Baltimore, dude. We've talked about them so many different times, man. It's execution, they're, they're, man. You're, when you're running a high school or what it looks like a high school offense, or a, I guess an, an offense from from the the bronze era of of football yeah. back in the day, man. I mean, you know, yeah. to to try and be, you know, cute with it, I guess. Um, no, dude, it's it's execution. Uh, we we've seen it. Like like, you would think that you'd be able to plan for Baltimore's attack, but I mean, when you got an MVP candidate or when you got a quarterback that plays at the MVP level of Lamar Jackson, and now you're, I thought they would be a little bit of a step back, or there would be a little bit of a step back for Baltimore, especially with no Mark Andrews. But being able to go out there and having flowers. Be an extension of the run. If if OBJ can you know have some type of of consistency week in and week out, dude, the Ravens are are, are pretty yeah. damn nasty. We've already seen that it doesn't matter who's in their backfield. It's it's just a product of the system there because of their front uh their front five their hog mollies up front like I like to talk about. Dude, they just push mass, man. You, yeah. They are the dominant team in the AFC North, and usually usually that 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 paths for or that paves the way for a pretty decent uh road in the playoffs man and how much of it is wags you know um lamar jackson ain't getting hurt lately you know they paid him he got all of that shit done you've got a you got a content do you think he was sitting out because he wasn't getting paid oh yeah okay all right all right 
Absolutely. He's his own agent. He's given himself that advice. He is. He, he does bet on himself, and he's won every damn time. So, But here's, you know, because I, I know there's a lot of fascination with Miami and everything right there. Yeah, I mean, if these teams meet in the playoffs, Wags, and that game is in Baltimore, it's going to be a blowout. Miami's going to get run out of the building. Baltimore's defense is very fast, too. Like, that, their team speed on defense is amazing. Uh, clearly, no one can no one can cover the cheetah like no and and waddle waddle's pretty damn fast too i mean these might be one and two in terms of speed demons in the nfl right the the two yeah. fastest wide receivers uh in the league yeah that yeah. being said i mean i mean you know with the pressure with the pressure that baltimore is able to get up front with their defensive front i i i don't think that they'd struggle too much against miami and also i mean roquan smith I didn't think that Roquan Smith would make that much of an impact just, you know, coming over uh, one. I thought, you know, the, the bears got one hell of a deal from that trade, but it looks out. It looks, it looks to be panning out in favor of the Ravens. Like Roquan yeah. Smith is still playing at a high, uh, yeah. a high all NFL level, man. One of the best linebackers in the league. Now, if, uh, Jadavian Clowney can get going here on the front line of that uh, defensive front for Baltimore. This is one hell of a damn defense, man. We talk about Cle uh, Cleveland being um, the top defense in the league. Baltimore's number two. Oh yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. I want to ask you, Wags, are you buy are you buying this Denver thing? I mean, uh, Denver, yeah. Denver surging a little bit right here, but but I mean, you know, it's like Russell Wilson. I mean, it it, it doesn't look like Russell of old, but uh, but shit. Man, I, I had them in the grave a couple of weeks ago. But, man, uh, impressive win last night. I mean, of course. Over that... Minnesota! Minnesota. Thank you. I got to set it up right yeah, to perfection there. Um, I, I, I feel for Minnesota, right? Like, you know, they were, you know, the league's babies or darlings for, what, three or four weeks now, especially with Dobbs coming over. And mm -hmm. they have a little bit of a, a step back last night. They regressed a little bit last night against the Broncos. And everybody's, you know, all of a sudden just thinking that they were, you know, just a, a flash in the pan and um, nothing but nothing but pretenders. So uh, when when I think they started out one in four or one in yeah. three, is that what they were? Yeah, uh, but anyways, they lost, three. you know. Lost Captain Kirk to an Achilles injury, and then able to supplement Hall, and then they bring in, um, they bring in Dobbs. And dude, I still think Dobbs is is. I've heard, man, I heard people comparing this dude to Patrick Mahomes already. That's 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 fucking crazy. That's just crazy, man. Patrick Mahomes is the best to do it so far that I've seen in a while. Um, Dobbs is good, but dude, this guy isn't the second coming of Christ, man. Like we know that, but still, you got to give this dude a little bit of. A little bit of of uh, of credit here to be in what the third week of the fourth team this yeah. year. You yeah. know what I mean? And he's yeah. you know he's able to find ways to win. So or or find ways to put Minnesota in spots to win. So I like I like Minnesota. I'm not dipping out on them just yet. I don't think they're pretenders. I actually do think they have something to put together, or they have some pieces to actually put together and make a run in this thing, man. Especially if they can continue to keep their ground and pound going with Alexander Madison. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny how, how things are changing right now, because it, I mean, it really is. I mean, I think this is a huge blow for the Bengals while at the same time with, you know, with Cleveland, I think Cleveland kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum right there to where things are definitely on the upswing for those guys. But, you know, I was pretty high on Tampa Bay there for a little bit, but shit, they have, they've gone in the shitter. And uh, I mean, same thing with the Rams, you know, you had Jared Goff out for a little bit and, and, and they've kind of turned it around and are, and are going in the opposite hey, eating, right, dude, right now. They're eating too, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Lions, the Lions still look oh, no, legit. The Lions, no, yeah, the Lions, yeah, no, but the Ram, the Rams, oh, yeah, the, okay. the Lions, dude, the and, and, and this is what's going to be so cool on 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 Thanksgiving is is like the Lions always play on Thanksgiving that early game, and, that, and they lose. <laughs> the Lions might actually win on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and and now it's like holy shit, it's actually like worth turning it on. You know, it's like uh, you, you know what that's going to happen. That's still going to happen. Like the Lions are having a, a fantastic season, but they're still going to lose on on Thanksgiving yeah. just because yeah. it's tradition. It's like you turn that game on, and it's like, okay, who's going to beat the shit out of the Lions this year? Well, hell, now they're good. And uh, it's like, there's your there's your Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving uh, Day special right there. And here's the point right there. Yeah, they have yeah, a the Lions are deep. They have a Lions are definitely deep. And you know why? Because the GM and the coach are on the same damn page, and they have built this thing. I mean, seriously, Jared Goff. It's like, man, that this dude. You know, it's like, oh, he's no good. He's a bust. He ain't worth a shit. Look at him. <laughs> Look at him. All he does is win ball games, man. Man, he's in the MVP conversation behind that kid from Houston. <laughs> so is in is CJ Stroud still in that conversation? Heck yeah, man. I, yeah, I, th- I think you know he threw three three interceptions, but again, Texans were still able to, to win the won. game. Yeah, still won. Um, you're gonna have bad games, especially from a rookie, right? Like, and if this is the worst that we've seen him play, then hell man, you'll take that, right? Because if you if you're still able to play like this bad and still put your position, your team in a position to win the ball game and come out victorious. You'll take that any damn day. That's MVP play, man. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's not, you know, you're not dazzling with four, you know, four touchdowns, no interceptions and 350 yards. But again, you're, you're getting the main, the main stat out of everything. And that's the W Rodney. And and let's see, let's see how this shakes out because it kind of, kind of making back to the college football playoff reference right there of uh, how, how things are just so discombobulated or whatever you want to call it. Let's say Houston continues to go on the pace that they're going, you know, is CJ Stroud going to win the MVP? I don't know. Yeah. You know, he's definitely in the running. He'll be rookie of the year. If, so if CJ Stroud wins, uh, wins passing, wins the passing championship, wins the passing title, right? Has most yards in the NFL for quarterbacks. He's number two right now behind Sam Howell. But if yeah. he does this, and the Texans get to the playoffs, then That's, is the, is the conversation legit? Then it like, should be. Okay, but and you know, just but, like we thought, so Sam Howell. Like, what's the what's the milestone that CJ needs to hit in order for this conversation to actually be legit? I think you got to win a playoff game. I think you got to win a playoff game. So not just get to the playoffs. You got to win. Yeah, you got to yeah. win a playoff game. Okay. And, and like we thought from the beginning, Sam Howell what and CJ Stroud, the, the top two quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, kind we, of, we, we, everybody projected this with their of course, ball, right? Of course. These two quarterbacks up, to, up but at the top. Where I was going with that, like with the college football thing, if D'Amico Ryan, if if everything continues to to do like it's doing, D'Amico Ryan's done win coach of the year that's bullshit you know if they give it to whoever i mean i don't know mike mccarthy or whatever may happen with that i mean D'Amico ryan's coach of the year i mean seriously it's like hell give executive of the year to uh what's his name from houston because man i think a lot of people like i think a lot of people love mcdaniel right now i think mike mcdaniel is the darling of the nfl in terms of being the college coach just because he's the oddity right he's a young success factor uh yeah he he's a hell he's a damn uh he's a press release himself you know what i mean (laughs) like when somebody goes to give him this dude a press conference he's a soundbite you know what i mean he's a walking soundbite and he you know now he sprints off the field he's got his things right he's the he's a little bit quirky at times but still man he like he's you can't like whenever he's being interviewed you can't take your eyes off him you got to hear what you got to hear the the craziness that he's going to say and it goes back to that to that interview where he was a, a ball boy uh, yeah. for Denver, right? Like, you, just if you 
really want to break that interview down and look in his eyes. I mean, plastered, dude, plastered. And he's been on a uh, pardon my take from time to time talking about, you know, vaping, you know, being asked about vaping on the sidelines or whatnot. Yeah. And he's like, I don't even know what vaping is. So to me, I think, I think McDaniel is, um, he's the, the darling of the NFL so far. So if Miami continues to have the success, I, you could probably like to think that he'd be getting some superlatives. Yeah, but I agree with you, man. D'Amico, what D'Amico Ryan's is doing down there uh, in Houston, dude, um, with a rookie quarterback too. I mean, yeah. how how can you not have this dude in your conversation for coach of the year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um again the work isn't done, but I mean just I mean at this point, I mean shit, dude. They are here. They they may be in the driver's seat for the AFC South in a week. Um, I mean, um, that's 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 ballsy uh jacksonville looks pretty damn good well i mean i don't know i mean and that that's the next question i'd love your thoughts i mean is is it time for jacksonville to really assert themselves i mean i mean because like we're talking about afc favorites i i really like baltimore of course you can't discount the chiefs i think tonight goes a long way uh again that's a home game so so we you kind of factor that part in right there but it, i mean is it time is it time I, I mean they lost that game to san francisco i think uh, is it time for them Trevor to be like that? Like, I think we got to ask Trevor Lawrence if 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 they're ready to to emerge and and be the dominant factor in the AFC South, right? Because really, it comes down to his play. Um, yeah, like their their defense continues to make plays, you know, week in and week out. But it's the inconsistency of Trevor Lawrence. We think that he's going to take that next step as a professional quarterback, and he, yeah. he, you know, he does. He can make all the throws, but then there's sometimes where he looks like he's regressing and takes steps back. So yeah. uh, to me, I think I think Jacksonville is honestly like two years away from being like actual AFC contenders and AFC champions. If they can can if they can keep this young squad together and, and all these young pieces intact, uh, I, I think they actually make a make a run at this in two years. I just don't think Trevor Lawrence has taken the steps that he needs to get Jacksonville to the point where they're starting to beat Kansas city consistently. Yeah. And you know, until you get that consistent quarterback play like Patrick Mahomes has, you know, you just throw the damn game up into the air, man. Yeah. Well, I think we, I think a good test is going to be, I think it's week 14 and 15. They go to Baltimore and then they go to Cleveland. Yep. And I think that that's going to be the, the, two, the right two top defenses in the league. So there, there, there's your test right there. I think that'll answer that wags my turn. I have to go do something here right quick. Be right. Go ahead. Do what you need, man. I'll hit a, you know, I'll hit a sounder real quick from, uh, from AV consultations. Yeah. Audio visual consultations, 512-255-8678. They are the very best in audio visual automation. You guys hear from me week in and week out all the time talking about Tom McKay and his crew. Look, you see the flat screen televisions behind me, man. I'm able to watch not just uh, the Giants get beat every Sunday, but I'm also able to watch, you know, the Packers win. I'm also able to watch uh, Brock Purdy go out there and, and spin the spin the you know the laces the way that he does it so well with uh, that Shanahan offense. I'm able to watch hockey. The Capitals are doing some fantastic things. The Bruins. As bad as I hate to say it, the Bruins are actually, you know, melting down the ice again. And we don't know why, because it's had tremendous roster turnover there for the Bruins as well. All this is able to be done with audiovisual consultations. 512-255-8678. That's avconsultations.com. For 35 years, they've been setting the standard in audiovisual automation. 
the very best in in the Austin Central Texas area. If you don't have an idea of what you want, look at the gallery of web or look at the gallery of projects that they've done on the website over the past 35 years, and then I guarantee you will have an idea of of what you want in your house. Hey, look, the uh, the fall patio or the the fall weather is starting to turn into the winter weather right now. It's going to be fantastic. You can have yourself a nice little chimney out there on the patio with a perfect flat screen TV and Sonos surround sound setup with audio visual consultations. 512-255-8678. That's avconsultations.com. And hopefully you're listening to us on that code of text line as well. 512-222-9328. If you haven't been able to, you know, hit us up in these comments on the YouTube channel, hit us up on that code of text line as well. If you're listening to us mobile, Give Tom McKay a call, abconsultations.com, 512-255-8678, and then they'll get out to your house. My guy, what's up? What, where'd you have to go do? Oh, Let the doggies, dude, the doggos? Roof, roof replacement is about to be happening here in the next couple of days. They got uh, you too, huh? So where are you at? I mean, hell, it looks like a parade going down my damn yard, man. We got so many signs. It looks like the mayor's coming through, but nah, man, it's just contractors and roofing. Companies. I know, man. Yeah. Feels like it's election season or some shit over here with all these signs in the yard over here. I'm gonna take that shit out. The guy's like, "Let me put a sign in your yard." I'm like, "For what? You haven't even started." <laughs> but we want, we want to market. We want to advertise. We want to market with you, man. How about yeah. this? How about you reach out to Texas Sports Unfiltered and we'll market for you. We'll advertise yeah. for you. Huh? You're damn right. I'm like, start the job and then you can put your sign out there. Right. But, uh, okay. So, hey. um, dude, and it's not just that. Like, I would love to have the neighborhood just kind of coordinate everything all in one or two days, maybe. Not just go around. Not Mr. Tom get his uh. You know, get his house done on Monday, and then Paula gets her house done on uh, you know, on Tuesday, and then um, you know, Israel gets his uh, hits gets his house done on Wednesday. And shit. Now let's put it all together. Let's let's coordinate this thing to where we can just have all the loud noises yeah. and chick going down on one or two days, and then we'd be done with it. Instead of putting this thing out, you know, two weeks down the road. Now I get it; it's kind of done by a, by strategery, as we of like course. to say here, right? Of because course. they're trying to go around and and get you know. The, the best off their buck, you know, I guess the, yeah. the most benefit off their buck, right. Trying to, to reap in, Oh, uh, we don't want to just all coming in all, all one lump, all one lump sum. We want to go out there and prolong this damn thing. Well, no, not anymore. Get out of my neighborhood, man. Yeah. Hey, so, so from the code of text line again, two, 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 nine, three, two, eight, that, that bad boy is available all the time. And again, if you guys are like Wags was talking about on the app, there are some uh, updates on the app. So if you are on an Apple on, on a iPhone, uh, gonna look really cool. I think you're probably okay if you're on an Android. I'm sure it still works, but I've got some new software, man. Got some new, yeah, it looks really cool. Looks really cool. But from that code of text line, uh, to, to put it into perspective, and again, I haven't verified this, but this sounds about right. Uh, with the uh, Big 12 bias towards Texas, through 11 games, Texas opponents have only been called uh, for holding three times, and two of those were at Alabama. The other against the non-Big 12 opponent, so that's big zero in Big 12 holding calls, yet Texas has been called for plenty. Um, same goes for pass interference. So that kind of puts it, I don't know if that's actually scientific, but... Can we get, can you text back on that and see what the reference is, what source they're citing? Because I'd like to look into that. It's probably sure PFT, can. but I'd like to look into that. Damn right. Damn right. Sure can. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. So, and that's just like, we weren't... And if you go back to our number two and see what we were talking about, we were really harping on the Big 12 officials because it just seemed like no matter how much Sweat and Murphy dominate yeah. week in and week out, they'd never get holding calls uh, on them. And and how? Uh, when you're that big yeah. of a factor, that big of a physicality uh, factor on the interior line, you know damn well you're getting held. I mean, hell, we just – and again, I'm going back to it. We saw Murphy get tackled 
on third, excuse me, on I think it was third and seven, I believe yeah. the, the down and distance was. Um, but he was able to get the sack against Beck um, and, you know, force a force a, a fourth and punting situation. But that was only after he got tackled in front of in, in front of the damn uh, the actual refer the actual official, yeah. uh, the umpire there. And the, the umpire didn't even throw the damn flag. You saw him actually grab the flag. Yes, I saw that. Because Murphy got tackled and was still able to make the – just because he, he got he made the sack, he didn't throw the damn flag. Bullshit. You throw the flag yeah. regardless and let the coach decline it if he has to, man. Yeah. But the fact that you're sitting there hesitant and holding the flag tells me that you see the damn play that's going down or the penalty that's going yeah. down. You just have a bias – you just have a bias – you against fucking Texas. That's my. I'm. I'm sorry, man. You can't yeah. lie to the eye in the sky. It, it's like, like like the dude is trained. I mean, you hear at the beginning of like a high school football game. These officials are trained. Lots of whatever, and it's like so the dude's trained, and he's like, and then he's like, oh wait a minute, I can't, I can't do it. The eye in the sky. It. The eye in the sky. Don't don't no 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 don't throw that. <laughs> and again, if oh, I'm no. it, again, maybe I'm beating a dead horse here, and maybe I'm I'm having delusions of grandeur. Um, but I'm pretty sure pretty I'm not dehydrated. I'm pretty sure I'm not in the damn desert and my, my eyes aren't, you know, beside me and falling out of my head. I'm pretty sure I'm seeing what I'm seeing on the damn television. I've rerounded a few times to go back and, and make sure that it's, you know, th that it's confirmed my vision. Dude, the Longhorns are getting jobbed. Well, 100%. And, and that's, and that's where it's so, so obvious to see now, because now, now with, these audio visual consultation TV things that we're able to do. And I mean, camera, the high quality 4k television, Rodney. Absolutely. I mean, you see it. I mean, back, back in the day, back in the day when you wore shit like this, you know, yeah, you probably couldn't see it because those angles weren't quite, quite as good, but man, it's pretty obvious. And again, like I said, I'm, I'm not being the total Texas Homer here that I am, but Oklahoma's getting job too. And, and, and it takes a lot for me to to actually yeah, to admit that. To admit yeah, that. To, like, because I, I saw it, you know what I mean? Like, they, str they struggled for a reason, right? It's because the opposition was getting calls, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't want to give them any damn credit because I fucking hate the Sooners, man. But, yeah, it feels like, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm creating this in my head, but it feels like because Oklahoma's leaving and Texas is leaving, the Big Twelve is just like you know what, make it make it hard for them on their way out. These two, it's 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 kind of like the Montreal screw job. We yeah. can't let Bret Hart walk out of this thing with the title. Yeah, that's what it feels, what it feels like. That, that that really is the whole thing right here. I mean, and 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 I think for for the Big Twelve for Brett Yormark, I mean, I mean they're sitting here. I mean, they, they did put all the eggs in the Texas Tech basket. They were going to be the ones that were possibly going to be the one to, to stifle this whole little. Uh, um, parting gift that texas has given but man it just ain't going to happen and i guarantee to you the motivation that we're going to see on friday from the texas football team man i i think they're going to go out there and stomp texas tech on friday let's hope so my god so now look we talked about like what what is some what is a dominant factor or what is a dominant margin of victory that the longhorns need to do in order for you to think that they jump the five or the six right because we got to think that Florida State's probably going to fall a little bit, you know, with with no Jordan Travis. You'd like to think that Florida State might not be able to win this out the way that they thought so. So they'll probably be dropping a little bit in the rankings. How much does Texas need to win by, not just against Texas Tech, but also going into the 
Big 12 championship in order for them to probably jump and get up into the 4-3? Hard to answer for me, dude. It's like calling balls and strikes. I've got my own strike zone, and it don't mean shit. So that's uh, that, that's kind of my thought with all of that. Um, you just never know. There's a lot of it uh, that are that that's going to be in the hands of uh, of others in Texas, like we have talked about here um, a lot. They're going to need a lot of help. Going to need a lot of help. We'll see how that shakes out. Time to go to the midday show.